you are listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. I'm Chris, and as ever, I'm joined by my good friend, Clem. Hi, everybody. And my good friend, Mark. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Yay, we're doing it. We're doing it, guys. So um, we did have a guest, but uh, life happens. So we, we've had to, at the last minute, just move things around. You know, it keeps us on our toes. Um, so we're not quite sure what's going to happen for topic of the month yet. So we're going to, obviously, it was going to be an interview. Uh, but instead, we're just going to get to that point and sort of freestyle it. Right, Clem? Yeah, I mean, our three and a half in, maybe we'll have uh, come up with ideas by then. Who knows? fantastic super and um just want to say as well mark you've been putting out so much fantastic content recently so many terrific episodes if you look back how many episodes we've had this last month absolutely fantastic thank you so much oh no it's been a pleasure and today was supposed to be another one of those but uh we'll we'll try to re uh shoot for march so we'll get everything's rescheduled and we'll do it again so but hey i think it's going to be great so everybody's got to put up with us today but uh you know, you never know. Steve Hildrew will bumble into the room here at some point, maybe. And, uh, you know, I think it'll be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot to talk about. So I'm ready. There is a lot going on, yes. And, I mean, I think the shorts are pretty interesting because they, they go in all directions. And I always enjoy also listening to uh, Mup that I had no parts uh, in. You know, it's like, oh, great, that's good content. And uh, I didn't have to work for it. So I love nice. listening to the, you know, the episode drops. Oh, it is a Muppet. I didn't have to do anything. Fantastic. Super. <laughs> I, had that exper- I had that experience with the one with your second Wald episode. It's like it shows up in the feed. I'm like, oh, look at this. I didn't even know it was dropping. Cool. And I just hit play and it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. And that that's kind of the fun dynamic we've kind of sparked up. So we've got some great stuff in the pipeline coming too, folks. So stay tuned. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, to be honest, I was really excited to talk about it today, but we can't, we're not quite there yet. So uh, don't want to say it's secret, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll keep some keep our cards a little bit close to our chest but very excited and i've got to say as well actually as we're recording this an episode of counter charge dropped which is the brother mark army review i've only listened to about uh, 40 minutes of it but i'm really really enjoying it and really interesting that they're using ai uh, voices which is uh, very uh, not something i was even aware you could do if i'm honest but very very interesting and of course it's a way of avoiding that massive problem of getting someone to record the times you know the amount of time and you know that's a really really hard thing to do so very very interesting and a a super interesting episode of countercharge so anyways right so dear listener we're welcoming on the menu the bit that i regularly get wrong so and this this is a real minefield as well because it's uh, we don't have our guests so inevitably this will go wrong so uh we've got our introduction we're going to be talking mantic news our warpath uh, Firefight, a Warpath, Dead Zone, our Panathor, Kings of War. So hopefully that's the point at which Steve stumbles into the chat. Uh, our Panalore, we're going to be talking Epic Warpath lore slash playing in Panalore. Or are we? Who knows? Yeah, listen, who knows? Right? Listener we're questions, that is nailed down. We've got listener questions. That hasn't changed. Some of them, yes. And topic of the month, smiley face, freeform. so you know we'll see how it goes dear listener but um you know we've put out a lot of content we're gonna have a good time making this anyway it's just uh friends toy talking about toy soldiers anyway right so and it's um a little bit claim it's us going back to our roots you know when we started this with absolutely no idea what we were doing so you know 
Sounds about right. Let me scratch my microphone a little bit to have shitty sound. <laughs> <laughs> really to give the vintage fa- flavor. Why does everyone keep telling me to mute myself? What does that even mean? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and I'll just mention very, very quickly. So we've got a, a, a bunch of fantastic promo codes to some great companies. The links are in the show notes. Um, the highlights there, some of them, Mantic Web Store, discount code, if you still haven't used it, Universe 15 of Fast Month 15. Game Mat EU, we've got 11% off, which is fantastic for game mats, obviously. Uh, Baron of Dice, Corvus Terrain, um, McDougal Designs, we don't have a discount code because their price is already so keen as well, but I just wanted to mention them on the show because uh, Max does an awful lot for the community. And, um, dear listener, if you're not going to support your local friendly gaming store, that's a, a very good place to go to, to still help out the community. And and we have a Discord server, Clem. The link will be in the show notes. And right. don't forget about Kings of War Forum. And somebody actually posted uh, an article in our Discord server uh i've forgotten how to use words in our discord server uh two kings of war forum clem and it was a brilliant article do you want to just uh just give the the, the dear listener a taste of what that was i think you're on uh you're on a roll I, I will let you finish with that one <laughs> so it was uh someone and uh, apologies i don't I, we don't have the name in the notes but uh uh someone on the kings of war forum had taken the army starter boxes basically so anything you're likely to get as a new player and made a suggested build to get them started which is you know i think we all agree it's a it's something missing from kings of war it has been it's getting a lot better but you know you've bought your first army box you're really excited you open it up there's no build instructions uh what do i do so it's absolutely fantastic that we have resources like this and people in the community are filling in the gaps for and helping Mantic outright because it's absolutely fantastic. It's um, inevitably, it's, you know, not the optimum list, but it's something to get you started. And uh, I think it's really, really cool. So loads of great stuff over at Kings of War forums. I'm sure um, Fred, our editor, will uh, will get some more uh, adverts in the pod and I'm very happy for him to do so. And I always love when it says... No adverts, no commercials. And he does that, putting adverts and commercials into our podcast. But, you know, it's a small price to pay. It's a fair one. It's a fair one. I mean, I think the the forum is a good resource. Um, It's always good to create content around the games we love. And um, uh, for all of the interesting content that there is on Fanatics, for example, for Kings of War, um, it's it's a format that doesn't always work well for some type of content, and so I'm happy that there are other resources out there uh, for you know more long-term articles or threads that uh, deserve to you know survive over quite some time and not get buried by the algorithm with the latest stuff. So yeah, yeah, great point, Clem. Super. Yeah, yeah I really think this is a great article. We could use it as our topic of the month, but uh, I've got some other ideas surrounding it too. It's just uh, really interesting. This one really touches me, you know, I mean that, you know, I've got the box. How do I put it together? You know, how do I opt? You know, I don't even know if I optimize, but, you know, optimize my dollars, you know, to put something together. So it's really yeah. good. So I, I really appreciated it. And uh, we'll give a shout out to the author and things like that. So I think it's, it's not really about optimizing the list or anything. It's more kind of welcoming new joiners, because it is always a bit overwhelming when you get into a new system and you don't really know. 
am I making a mistake by building the dudes with the spear versus the bow or whatever? It could be stressful, couldn't it, Clem? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I know the system and it still stresses me out. <laughs> and so uh, definitely for someone who is uh, kind of new and uh, trying to get into this awesome hobby, having resources like this that kind of uh, give you reinsurance. What about you just start with this first step and do it this way? And if you do this, you're nothing, not doing nothing wrong. And uh, then you can figure it out on your own later. I think that's a very important resource and it makes it more welcoming and more open to uh, more people. So that's a really important work. I remember you talking about this literally. Well, it's getting on two years ago now, Clem, to be honest. When we first started making the pod, I remember this was a point you came back to a few times. And it's, uh, yeah, great point. And I'm the sort of person that just sort of charges in with that. You know, I'm all gas, no brakes, right? We're just in life in general. But many, many people aren't like that. And even if you've come from another game system, you might find that really off-putting that there aren't these resources. And if you're brand new to the hobby, God help you, right? If you don't have this kind of thing where you've just bought this massive box of models. Okay, what what is all this stuff, right? So it's absolutely fantastic. And uh, yeah, yeah or, can't praise it enough. Even if you're just thinking about it, right? Like before you even buy, like uh, if I buy this 100 euro box, will I basically be set for a starter army or do I need five of those or you know like uh, if you have no idea about the rule system itself um, it's hard to kind of anticipate a little bit and uh, yeah no I think it's uh, it's quite important I, I started writing or drafting some articles uh, with the same approach but uh, obviously there are tons of ways to to do it um, and um yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm glad that someone is uh, is doing this work. And uh, I think also it's, it, it could be interesting if Mantic was doing it, but I think I prefer that the community is doing it because then potentially more people feel free uh, to, you know, come up with their own version. And it's not like there's just one official way to do it and that's what you must do. Uh, it's kind of like initially I was a bit sad that they don't uh, – you know, like give terrain maps, for example, for Kings of War. And now I'm actually sort of happy that it's a bit left more open and then everyone and anyone can do whatever they want. And so for this uh, reference list, I think it's a similar topic. Yeah, because we've we've had that conversation before, right, Clem, where I quite like the idea that Mantic will sell you a battlefield in a box, whether it's a Basilean one or an Abyssal one or whatever your faction is, Northern Alliance one, and then you're fighting in that area but i think that's a really interesting point is once you start doing that and mantic say this is the mantic forest or this is the mantic hill there is a i know i'll feel that very keenly that feeling of okay well that's the that's got to be the proper size for a hill because it's the one mantic sell right mark i just wanted to mention one of the things is i that i also really appreciate about that article where was that you know he's got like the boxes that you need to buy and the dollar amount you know, how much it's going to cost. Of course, it's in euros, so, but that's all right. So it was really uh, very interesting to see how it was all put together. So very, very cool. We should have had this. It's top of the topic of the month, shouldn't we? Yes, I was thinking <laughs> about that. The it's good to start with it. <laughs> That's all right. But yeah, I think the um, for the themed battlefields, I, th- I still think they should do something like this, uh, like have some more resources. And um, I- I'm not sure this would necessarily block you from 
using the train you already got and stuff like this but it would give some inspiration maybe i don't know that's um i mean when you think about it in the starter set like the two player starter sets there are lists as well right mark like uh, all the time you can see you can build the 500 points factions or something like this and do the mini campaign um and uh it's a suggestion right like i, d I don't think i've ever built any of these specific armies and i still bought uh a bunch of the two player starter sets if i'm honest yeah i bought every one of them so i i love those little booklets that's the reason i buy them is to get the little booklet with the army suggestion and it gives it it just it gives you some lore you know to to kind of go with your set and it's a nice way to start off so i just i wish the instructions and stuff were a little better you know they're starting to give you some assembly instructions which is cool but you know, also the other thing I find, and I was thinking about this uh, yesterday, was how to give new players access to the MDF bases they need to multi-base. You know, I've well, got an idea here in Europe. I have a solution for that. Just uh, you know, <laughs> under the under the jacket, like black market MDF dealer, Chris. What do I've you? been having that conversation with a, a local player, new local player as well, of getting the MDF bases. I'm saying, All right, go to go to the local. Uh, uh, sort of uh, tomb, as we call it in Germany, uh, and, and get some cut. Sorry, guys, just to bring it back briefly to, and not to dwell on the point too much, just to bring it back to the idea of Mantic-approved hill sizes or whatever, right? I, I was thinking about what they do because, obviously, they they have a lot of sci-fi terrain. Well, of course, you know, Mantic have a lot of smart people for working for them, and they've done the sci-fi terrain in such a way you can do it however the heck you like. I wonder if there there could potentially be a way they could do the same for fantasy terrain where, you know, it's modular or something along those lines. But who knows? Yeah, I think th that could be one angle to it. They've all obviously been doing terrain crate sets, um, which I think are relatively um, thematic. But also, I guess they try to appeal to a wider audience. Um, so I don't know if if there could be a way to do this as well. Like, hey, uh, fight a fight in Basilia, and it actually looks pretty okay if you want to play AOS with it as well. You know, because then it augments your potential customer base. Um, the other way that I could see them do that is by um, kind of expanding their IP, like the graphical identity of the universes and places in Banithor uh, and have maybe so commission some artists to do this and have kind of like a direction artistic direction around what those Banithor look like and then it's kind of up to you know independent creators maybe on their patreons or or kickstarter campaigns stuff like this to create terrain that kind of matches the official aesthetic and so Mantic doesn't necessarily have to fund all of this, what they have to do is to kind of be the, the leading voice like, hey, this is what we put out there. This is what the universe looks like. And feel free to build your own tables or create STLs for people who want to you know, build a townhouse that would fit in, in, in Basilea or something. I think that's a great point, Clem. I mean, they've sort of done that. I know they've got Luigi who does a lot of their sculpting. I don't think he's a Mantic employee. I think he's a contractor from the sound of it. But he does a lot of their sculpting. But if he's unavailable or whatever, um, he doesn't have the bandwidth or whatever, they 
have a very firm idea of the style they want. So whether it's Luigi or someone else, it's all got to fit together. So I, I suppose that would be a just a continuation on that. I think Mantic have already got that idea that it's all got to come together nicely, right? That it's all got to fit in the same universe. And I think we've seen that a lot, right, with the armies that have been coming out for the last few years. Yeah, I agree. I think they um, they still have kind of a role to play here by really pushing. Uh, keep pushing forward their IP and their universe and so on. And um, I mean, listeners already know by now that we really strongly disagree with people who say, "Oh, there's no lore in in Kings of War." Oh, the, there's no lore in the sci-fi side of it. Like we we love this universe and we think it's some of interesting things to it. But uh, I think um, having even more reference material and like more illustrations commissioned by um, Mantic itself directly kind of to lead the way and show what it's like um, maybe could uh, you know create a healthy universe of people who create stuff uh, for Kings War like fan made illustrations or some STLs remixes maybe who knows but uh, if, if you have uh, like the the skeleton or the, the, the base of what it should look like then you can flesh it out yourself uh, as we discussed also, like I like that the universe is not entirely fleshed out to the tiniest detail and that I do have freedom to create some parts of it on my own. Uh, all I want is for some inspiration, right? Like not just, uh, oh, this is this is uh, correct or this is incorrect. I just and a reference to... point, right? A reference point. Yeah, yeah a reference point. Sort of the North Star. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, great point, Claire. Fantastic. Super. Right, should we, should we move on to Mantic News? One more quick thing before we move on, Chris, is that I wanted to mention about this um, <clears throat> list that uh, Kudos put together here on the Mantic Forum. Every army is there, and it's got the way to build it with Mantic models, which I thought was really cool, like the Herd even and uh, Kingdoms of Men and... Boy, there's a lot of frost claws. <laughs> so if you love that kit, boy, you know, you can build a lot of armies. So, but uh, I just want to give a shout out again. I mean, this is uh, really cool. I, I think it's uh, very valuable and uh, pretty dang cool. So thank you so much for doing this. Kudos, whoever you kudos, are. Kudos to kudos. Yep. Yeah, it's a really is a key key missing piece of the puzzle that's that's now filled in. Fantastic. Super. So Mantic News. Is there a Kickstarter going on at the moment, guys? I think there are plenty of them, but uh, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking about Duncan Rhodes, Two Thin Coats, uh, Third Wave edition of paint. I'm, I'm actually backing some kind of modular some modular model storage box for about 50, 50 bucks. Looks good. 3D, You can 3D print it yourself. Yeah. That'll do for Matty News, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. So, uh, uh, no, I think Mantic's running this minor Kickstarter that we have little to no interest in whatsoever, right, Clem? <laughs> yeah, no, no strong opinions either way on it, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely not something I check every other hour to see if we've reached uh, the stretch goal for GCPS. No, not at all. And by the way, we're getting pretty close. It might actually uh, go through while we record this. Just saying. Yeah, I'm going to take a look right now, Clem, because I think we passed the GP, GCPS level. So I think we're coming up on, uh, let's see, we're right now we're at 200. And, oh, I don't know. This says 280,000. So I got to convert that to pounds. That's why I, I keep uh, 
being a little bit off on my predictions. If you click on the small dollar symbol, it will tell you in pounds. £221,000 at time of recording. Okay. With four days to go, dear listeners. Is oh, record. there it is, down on the bottom. Okay, so 221 all right. So, guys, just thirteen hundred pounds each. Like up your pledge right now, and and we do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the cost of some of the models. It might get pretty close to that, but you know, with everything I want, but uh, which is everything. So, but uh, yeah, we should be getting really close to the GCPS though. So, yeah, two hundred and twenty-five thousand pounds, and the GCPS are all ours. So. For me, the sweet spot is the captain pledge. I think if you're, yeah, for 150 pounds, that's a, you know, fantastic deal. But then, of course, yeah, you're going to need some nice terrain, hard plastic terrain to play with it. Um, and then, of course, it's not that much to add another faction. And then you add another one and uh, suddenly and then another you're one. For 500 pounds. Yeah, exactly. No, that's, exactly. that's kind of the risk. I think the, for me, the deciding factor also is the so i was kind of already thinking okay i'm gonna go in for three factions so i take the whatever it's called luton pledge with four boxes or whatever and then i'll add the stl packs for all three factions that's a kind of a big bump to the pledge but uh, I'm, I'm gonna do it because i have a resin printer and i know i'll make a lot of cool tiny dudes for it and now i think they've merged all of that stuff into just one entry like the all-in stl and then it's for all unlocked factions and suddenly it's a lot more interesting like there's no question for me you do want to have the stls um yeah anyway i'm a fanboy uh, so it's 10 mil mentic who am i kidding i mean (laughs) i would say so i'm really excited about this it's fun it's clearly fantastic I already don't play enough Armada. You know, I mean, I've played Armada a couple of times and I've got four fleets for Armada, right? Most of which is sitting in boxes somewhere. So it is, you know, I already feel like we don't play enough Firefight. So um, this is all amazing. I'm very excited about it. I'm just looking at the little Forge Father drop troopers and go, oh my God, this is so super, super cool. Um, but again, it's, you know, so, so much universe, so little time, right, guys? It is a... Something yeah, Steve it, talks about a lot, like how do you guys have the time? And the truth is, we don't, right? <laughs> Already. Yeah. And there's also no, Halo coming soon, and that also looks really, really good. It's um, this is really exciting. It's really, really cool. But I, I am starting to feel that. Oof, this is. I think know. for me, it just hits a special spot. Uh, I completely agree with you. Like it, it's true uh, about there is only so many days in the month even like evenings in the months or saturdays in the months where i can go and play games or paint toy soldiers and uh i guess like a lot of people i I could stop buying any miniature today and not be bored with what i have for quite some time that is uh that is definitely a definitely factor now uh having said that um for me personally, the, the smaller scale uh, sci-fi is really something I was looking forward to. So I'm uh, I'm definitely going in uh, with a slightly larger appetite. Like I'm already um, allocating a couple of months, probably more three months worth of my hobby budget onto this. Uh, but obviously, yes, it's a, a kind of, a, I would say, personal uh, preference for this. 
Uh, it doesn't mean I will stop playing Kings of War or I would uh, stop playing Firefight, but I I will I know I will definitely enjoy painting these small dudes, and um, I, I know they will uh, fill me with joy once they arrive and once I put them on the table. So I don't know. I think honestly, Armada, I think it's an interesting game, and I do have a couple of fleets. Uh, I don't really miss not playing it more often. If you, if that's a, a fair say, way Clem, of saying it, I think it would be likely we would had we played more of it because we literally only played a couple of games, which I enjoyed. Mark, oh, you're just uh, catching me there, Chris. Hey, uh, I just wanted to mention about uh, you know where I'm at with my pledges and stuff like that. So I'm kind of tied in with Clem. I just you know it's small scale, it just kind of scratches a particular itch. And uh, I'm at the captain's pledge myself right now uh, with four armies. Uh, I I don't know if they're going to up it, you know, to where you can, um, you know, grab everything. I'm not sure. Um, I think I'm going to go with the all STLs on top of that and not get any of the resin prints. That's kind of where I'm landing at the moment. And uh, it should be fun. So I'm really, really looking forward to it overall. And it just, yeah, I'm still going to do firefight and I'm still going to do that, but there's just something special about the little guys. I don't know why. So, but, uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. They should be easy to paint and, uh, you know, put on the field and, you know, just have some fun with. So I'm hoping that we can get all the way up to the nameless and get them unlocked. That's, um, uh, from oh, a dollar's perspective, That's we were doing great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I think I want the the captain pledge. I would really, I do. I love the nameless. Um, I'm very interested in the terrain for a hundred quid. I mean, that's a lot of money, um, but it does seem to be a lot of nice looking terrain. And I it's do. A, like it's a terrain. big pile of, uh, of plastic, yeah. Yeah, from what I understand. And I, I guess, do like. Yeah. I, do, I do like for my games to be in the Mantic universe, right, rather than just random terrain. You know. Yeah. Interestingly enough, I'm not sure I will get any of the terrain yet. I mean, they added a couple of free sprues, I think, now to the pledges. So I will I will get some of that terrain. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I want to create my own stuff a little bit uh, for these tables. Because one side that I also like about 10 mil, especially when you play it in 6x4, is that you do have a lot of real estate. And so... You know, when you're building a Kings of War table on a 6x4, you can maybe put one small farm or something, or like one wizard tower, a small forest, and, and that's about it. Like, it's a it's a pretty small slice of the world. Uh, similar for Firefight, like you can have a tiny part of a research lab or a factory or something, or a military outpost somewhere. Um, on a 6x4, well, you have four times more space, or maybe even more than that, right? Um, between four and nine times more space, depending on um, how you adjust the scale. And that means I think you can get a lot more creative with having a very cool looking, you know, research lab or like a military airport or whatever, um, like really create some uh, immersive scenery. Oh, Clem, you're killing me by saying this. <laughs> you're going to be so excited about the, the potential for that. That's uh, oh, that hurts. But can you imagine right. the cool stories you can tell with this stuff? I oh, mean, it could be so cool, couldn't it? And uh, so yeah, or like uh, you know the stories uh, that we discussed uh, uh, like a few days ago 
about like planetary stuff or like on a city level. It's not just like you have two or three buildings. Like you could really create something that does have an identity and uh, that does really look like, oh no, it is an actual research lab. You know, like uh, here is the storage area for it. And here is the entrance to the bunker. And here is the, oh, okay. the heating power plant and something like this. Like something so that really has an identity. Off the top of my head, Clem. So let's say, for example, there's a plague outbreak on a GCPS uh, planet. So that obviously plague and GCPS, we feel like that's a real classic, you know, uh, f- fight. So it could be, you know, one part of the map, there could be a starport. Another part of the map, there could be the city. And then you could have kind of the military GCPS compound. So it could be that the the outbreak starts at one particular part of the map. Maybe it starts at the city where the population are getting infected. Um, maybe the GCPS in the first turn, they, they're not aware what's going on. Maybe they're slow to react. Maybe there's some limitations on what they can do round one or something. But it could be, well... If the plague takes the starport, then obviously people aren't getting out or something like that. So the, you're absolutely right, Clem. So the stories you can tell with that are really exciting. That's really, really interesting. And that's just, obviously that's just in five seconds off the top of my head. The, the stuff yeah. that uh, you can come up with, um, with all the you different You can make it's really exciting lot more rich terrain i think in, in tables and so it's true that i also want to tell stories within uh, the warpath universe um and so it kind of makes sense to have some of the buildings that they offer for it and like some of the plastic sprues that uh, let you build uh, buildings for that universe but i feel confident that i can also laser cut some of the stuff or like use you know the good old yogurt uh, pots uh, painted uh, trick and cool stuff i think there's also um like a creative, interesting side to building your own train. And so the spruce for me are one tool in this um, whole uh, journey. Um, and right now, if I have the choice between getting a couple of more core boxes to have even more plague or even more GCPS if they get uh, or when they get um, unlocked, I think I'll go for the armies uh, first. But I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about. I'm Brandon Rossbond of Winged Hussar Publishing, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe Podcast. This is Max McDougall saying, so much universe, so little time. Hmm, That is interesting. And it doesn't necessarily require a lot of ongoing support, necessarily, because you can get an awful lot of bang for your buck with this campaign. And you could just say to yourself... I'll get I'll buy a load of stuff now, but then it's just that's that's complete. My collection is then complete. And then there's no pressure, you know, necessarily to to buy new stuff every month. Mark. Yeah, I was just uh, looking at the website, uh, running some numbers there. That 475 pound pledge, although a lot of money is, you know, starting to look a lot better because they threw in all the STLs. And, uh, you know, so, you know, if you're getting the captain's pledge and you you know, throw in the terrain and you throw in all the STLs and, you know, uh, it's, you're the, it's there, looking better. You? Yeah, yeah. I you, mean, you're you know, getting close to it. Absolutely. You're getting, you're getting close. I mean, you're going to pay about 101 pound for all of the resin for four armies. So that's, you know, a little better, you know, probably 60% discount. So that that is looking a lot better now that they threw the STLs in there. So, I mean, yeah, I think there was a bit of a sticker a sticker shock or something you know when the when the campaign came out because i i, I got into this thinking oh, i'm gonna go all in and then i for i saw 475 
pound and was like, that is a bit much for all in. So let's take the lower one and add some bits to it and see where this goes. And I guess a bunch of people had a similar reaction. I, I don't know. Whereas I think if there was like a, something in between the 150 and 475 pledge, I probably would have taken that in between level. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, one of the other things is, okay, so let's say there's six factions unlocked. You know, is what am I going to do? Just add on two plastic armies and then they're supposed to be, um, you know, the resins and things like that. So I'm not quite sure exactly how that goes. So that's why I parked on the captain's pledge and I'm kind of waiting to see how the evolution takes place because it is, you know, you're getting daily reveals. Now we got the all in STL pledge, you know, what's coming next. So to see what we can use to uh, power it forward, because I don't know. I mean, maybe the all-in pledge comes once they figure out, you know, how many armies they're going to have and stuff like that. So it's going to be interesting going forward. So, you know, for sure, I mean, even if all eight are unlocked, you know, maybe you have to do two captain's pledges in the all-in STL and, you know, get a terrain set, and that would give you everything. So, but maybe they can put a pledge together with that. I'm not quite sure, but you know, so I'm waiting back and I'm just kind of waiting and seeing how it all kind of puddles along. So I think a lot of people are probably doing that. Yeah. I'd be, it'll be interesting to see in the final day or final hours, uh, you know, when people actually have to make a decision to jump in or not, because I have the impression that a lot of people are still a bit on the edge. Um, Cause I think there were what, five, 6,000 people uh, following the the campaign before it started and we're at like 1500 backers right now so i have the impression that there's still a bunch of people on the edge uh so yeah i'm curious to see what these uh what these folks will do well i think part of it too is you know do you require the resins and all the add-on packs to play and build a decent army you know if it was just all plastic you know and you you know you were just buying an army for 35 pounds or something like that you know I, I mean, that's an easy demo, jump in, so, you know. The videos that they've shot, uh, it's only with the plastics. I mean, obviously, right now, it's prototypes 3D printed, but it's only the content of the core boxes, the core plastic boxes. And when you look at uh, what is in there, like, the diversity is pretty good. Like, uh, for each faction, you do get a good selection of units. Um, and sure, I do want the reinforcements as well, because I'm a fanboy and I want all of it. But uh, I think if you want to, you know, stay on the kind of a lower budget or like lower investment, if it's like your your first game and you're not too sure, you don't know anyone locally, you would want to play with you. Uh, like what what is the, the pledge level name? I don't remember, like the 89 uh, pound pledge level, I believe. You have two armies and the rule book and all the tokens, all the dice and everything. It's basically two player starter sets, uh, except you have two full armies uh, with it. So I I, th- I think it's a it's a pretty decent deal. Um, I don't know. Again, I'm kind of the core audience anyway, so I'm a bit biased. Right, right. I mean, I think because we it's not in front of our eyes. I mean, we're seeing photos, but I think it's difficult to conceptualize quite how many models this is. I think this is a huge amount of models. I mean, as you said, Clem. So the eighty nine pounds lieutenant pledge over three hundred and ten miniatures. Um, you know, I think it depends on your faction why it's over 310, not exactly that. Um, that's an awful lot of models, plus the rules, as you say, Clem. I mean, they're tiny. I mean, for me, it's not just about the amount of models because they're tiny and so on. It's more, if you get this, 
you do have a fully contained uh, game, right? Like you could consider, okay, I, I already have other stuff uh, on the side or I'm not too sure if I will find a friend who will be willing to play that with me and so on. Well, at least if you get this stuff, you will get to enjoy the hobbying side on your own, like painting these two armies. And then you know that you could you could host uh, interesting games with just that, and you don't have to uh, put too much more money into it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think uh, even if you're a bit on the edge, um, still over, offers pretty good value uh, to begin with like this. And the other thing is, uh, from what I understand, uh, they will open the pledge manager like a few days after the campaign uh, ends. And in the pledge uh, manager, which, by the way, interestingly, is their own custom development, um, you will be able to adjust what you actually want to buy. Uh, if you somehow decide you want more stuff than what you pledge for in Kickstarter, or maybe your paycheck arrived, um, or maybe there's a different payment option. I mean, that's true. Like they're, they're running the campaign over 15 days, so it's not a lot of time. Like uh, if you're not really following what's going on and you didn't plan for a hobby budget for it, there's no way a normal person can drop 300 pounds on something, right, uh, out of the blue. So by having a bit more time with the, the pledge manager, maybe they would also uh, open up more options for some people who didn't necessarily anticipate Oh no! I actually love those tiny scrolls, and I do want uh, a bit more than just a base pledge. I want to add a couple of more boxes. They will be able to do that later as well. Funny you mentioned that, Clem. Um, <laughs> so my uh, my 3D printer, my plastic 3D printer, uh, managed to finally it destroyed itself. It's been on its last legs for a really really long time, um, and. Yeah, 3D printing is really important to me, right? Printing terrain for tables and making my tables look nice. And as, I, as I'm getting into the hobby, that's getting more important to me rather than less. So my printer broke and then I was literally, okay, right, I've got to, I've got to get a new printer. So spent, let's say, 260-something euros on a new 3D printer, which is, you know, as far as 3D printing goes, pretty modest for what you get. But it's obviously that's, that's quite a lot of money, you know? Um, and then uh, printed the test model, absolutely fine, all great. So left it going overnight, and the the belt on the the Y, I think it's the Y axis, snapped in the night on my brand new printer, and it destroyed itself. So the extruder was completely destroyed. Ah, oh, God, how am I back to this having a broken 3D printer after spending 260 euros? But uh, there we go. But it's printing. I need to. Um, yeah. Anyway. So in conclusion, I, I think I'm a little bit sensitive because I had that massive expense that was unexpected. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had car expenses as well, so it's not like it's eating uh, the whole budget. Yeah. But it, it makes uh, makes you think a bit more carefully about, hey, I have some extra income that I can and I can splurge a little bit in this. Uh, but yeah, in, in this particular case, I am still uh, uh, putting my foot down and I, I am tapping into uh, the hobby reserves uh, and uh, getting what I want for it. Oh um, yeah, I'm doing the same. So. I think Halo's coming shortly. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't I can't picture myself knowing me as I do, dear listener. I can't picture myself going, "Now nah, skip Halo." You know, it's is that going to happen? Nah, come on. Um oh Steve, welcome. We're just getting started. We haven't even started Mantic News. Well, we're in Mantic News, kind of. Well, we're in Mantic <laughs> News, right, right. But we're barely started. There hey, friends. Somebody, somebody marked the time down for Fred. 
uh, it's not a bust. Anyway, welcome. So it doesn't it doesn't look like uh, on on the audio, but we wave at you. Uh, we we love you, Steve. <laughs> we wave. We wave. Let's there wave. you go. We'll wave our hands. <laughs> uh, Hello, Mr. Hildaru. How are you, sir? I'm uh, I'm all right. Thanks very much. I'm a little Thank bit tired. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I like to grace you with my presence. I I don't cancel at the last minute. So you I like to, no, you like to great them. us with your presence. Yes, that's very accurate. I uncancel at the last minute, which is when I said <laughs> I'm not going to come, and then I do, just because uh, I'm cool like that. How lucky are we, and how, we, know, how right? lucky is the dear listener to have Steve Eldrew here, the man, the myth, legend? Yeah. I just remembered, I literally went to plug in my camera so I could I could wave at you, and then I remembered that I left this memory stick plugged into the computer, which I'm supposed to have plugged into my 3D printer, and then I forgot to. So when you guys start talking about like boring dead zone or whatever, I'm going to go and plug <laughs> that in. We're right in the middle of it. Like, uh, so what's your pledge for Epic Warpath, Steve? Uh, <laughs> we were talking about three pictures three seconds ago as well. Uh, so. I, I mean, I mean, sci-fi. Who plays that? Unless it's Halo. Unless it's Halo. Halo. Yes, Steve. I did just mention Halo, and also just to keep your morale up. And we're skipping ahead. Apologies, dear listener. But I, I'm pretty certain none of us have actually played any Fi-Fi or Dead Zone this weekend. So, uh, or this we, month rather. Sorry, dear listener. So I suspect we'll skip over that quite quickly, and then we'll be talking about, you know, Kings of War, things things that involve Mr. Hildrew. I'm embarrassed for you not having played such a magnificent sci-fi game. <laughs> quite right, quite right. That's the mm. spirit. Super. So, uh, in conclusion, I don't know what I'm going to do with the Kickstarter, but I've got a couple of days to decide. Who knows? So. Um, so yes so i'm excited for the nameless in conclusion so ronnie 2024 update um it wasn't a, a huge amount on it and i've got to be honest i skipped over it so clem unless you've got anything to add or steve you've got something to add i might just skip over that part um don't know i, I didn't listen <laughs> i think whatever ronnie said was great uh what a great guy how's that Perfect. Thanks, buddy. Mm, I like we to, would yeah. encourage the dear listener to watch it because we didn't. Ben, do you want to save us or not? You know. I think I've, I've seen the stuff, but um, I'm still waiting to see some new art for the Forces of the Abyss at this point. You know, that's what I really want to see. From what I understand, Mantic lately has been working extremely hard to get the Kickstarter going, and they're still working their ass off, like you can tell, right? And uh, I also believe that Halo is huge, huge, huge for them. Uh, I personally have about Steve level of interest in uh, Halo. Like uh, no, Steve's really excited. He loves Halo. No, I love but Halo. for, sci- for sci-fi, it. for sci-fi. Like I feel oh, like for sci-fi. Steve, oh, right, I see. You know, but, so how, um, how much I'm interested in in uh, Warpath. You're interested in Halo. Yeah, pretty much. Yes, that's yes, okay. Uh, We're allowed to like different things. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Wrong, and I'm right. But I right. mean, I was uh, trying to support you here. But oh. no. So um, what I'm saying is, uh, I can understand the circumstances that lead to. Um, we haven't mm-hmm. seen much new stuff for Kings of War lately, but uh, yeah, I'm eager to uh, you know see what they will have come up with. And the Trident Realm is getting closer and closer. It's April, right? So, you know, 
Yeah, quite right. I mean, it does feel, I mean, with Walking Dead coming back, so it's not new, new, but the Commonwealth models certainly are. Halo, we know is coming very soon. And the Mini Warpath game. It's a lot of new games to be throwing out there in quite a small window, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it's, it must keep them busy, right? So that's. Uh... Yeah, but as a, as a consumer who already has a lot of fantastic Mantic games. I might be. Am I just grumpy tonight, guys? What's the? No, I think you know. The, I think it's genuinely a problem with Mantic Games is that they bring out new games and often it's the same players buying the new games, right? And I think the Epic Warpath is going to have that issue in that everyone that's buying it is already a fan. That's my opinion. Um, I think where they kind of break out is where they do stuff like The Walking Dead and Halo, which attracts a whole load of gamers who don't play Mantic games and that's exciting for me um because the, these big licenses are what bring in you know fresh blood if you like um i think epic warpath really appeals to a really specific demographic of people which is people that loved um epic 40k um and have really fond memories of that but aren't playing uh epic 40k or whatever the big robot what's the big robot one they play Deptus titanicus yeah they don't play that and are a bit disenfranchised with the gw games so there's a specific demographic it's a uh, it's appealing to and that's awesome um it may you know it may not um blossom into a full-blown game maybe it's fantastic i don't know it's got alessio salvatore working on it um by the way I, when i was in mantic games the other day uh, setting up UK Masters, I saw Alessio Cavatori through the crack of Matt Gilberts's uh, office, and I said loudly and excitedly, "Oh my God, is that Alessio Salvatore? <laughs> and Matt Gilbert turned around and booted the door closed in my face. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> I'm not convinced he heard you say that, though, Steve. I think he just saw it was you. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So there's like the, looking at those, nearly there's uh, one and a half thousand backers, which is a good number. But it's not, you know, Walking Dead number was was massively above that, wasn't it? It's um, not. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, it's not so, breakout. It's not breakout uh, success that you're talking about. Is but it? I think it's, but you know, course, it's, it's got them a 221k, which is enough to make the game and to push it out. It's it was something people wanted. I think it's something Ronnie really wanted to do, and that's really fun. So I'm I'm glad it's been successful. I don't think it's going to be a huge massive hit, but you know, the more attempts you make at this sort of thing, the better, right? Yeah, definitely. I'd be interested with Walking Dead and Halo and things. Be interested how much of a cut you have to give to the license holder. But you know, that's. You know, <laughs> I'll put it on my list of things to ask him. Hey, uh, <laughs> you probably tell us. You never know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, um, but there we go. Um, but yes, uh, Walking Dead's coming back. Um, I, at some point, I'll get Clem to play a game of it because it's really good. It's really, it's really, really good game. But you know, again, it's it's all time, isn't it? But uh, yeah, yeah, it I sounds like it has some yeah. cool mechanics. But yeah, it's a, it's a question of, of time. And I'm not a huge fan of the universe to begin with. Like I have nothing against it, but it's not like something like oh my god, I really want to play a game in that universe. And so I think that's uh, one motivation that I do not have for it. So that's probably one thing. But yeah, super. Should we talk quick, briefly about Mantic Vault? It's not a bust. Right. So what, can, what can we uh what can we talk about yeah we don't have the we don't really know for march yet right i think last time we already discussed what was coming for february uh, have you printed any of it steve yeah i printed tons of the vault in fact with the, the, the no i mean from february's oh february's uh, uh what was february's work this salamanders month. and na- nameless. nameless and salamanders yeah mm, no because i am not a salamander player 
Um, and I don't need any gribblies. And I've been painting lots not of Basileans. I painted, let's see, what, what, what was the, uh, not yet, yeah, till my attention span shifts once again, uh, which is a worry for me. I've painted lots from the January Volto printed because there was Basilean stuff in there. So I printed um, t- three of the Arbalests, which are my bolt throwers for my Kingdoms of Men. And I, I took Julius and I scaled him down to fit on a 20 millimeter base. So he's my uh, um, fanatic, uh, what are they called? Um, the Redeemer? Uh, no, it's uh, in Kingdoms of Men. It's, uh, it's um, oh, hang on, give me two seconds. The Hero. Yeah, it's one of the many, many Kingdoms of Men heroes, the fanatic instigator, and I've given him the wings of the honey maze. So that's my Julius. So I just scaled him down and, that, and made him that, which is quite fun. Uh, and so I printed lots of that, but nothing from February. No, and I haven't seen any. I have. I did see like a teaser bit for the March release, and I couldn't guess what it was. So um, someone pointed out that it's coming up to 12 months of the vault, right? Because it started in May 23, and there'll be the 12 month reward at that point. That is uh, probably true, yeah, because we got the Hellfane uh, five months ago, something like this. That was a six-month reward. Wasn't that it, was a six-month yeah. reward, so there yeah. should be a 12-month reward pretty soon. What do Exciting. you want as a 12-month reward, Steve? Oh, what do I want? Um, I don't know. A bust. <laughs> I hope, uh, I don't know, really. I, I'd like them to do some buildings in the vault, but I don't know if they will. Um, you know, it'd be really cool. I was thinking about this because, you know, I've been looking at a lot of terrain cape crate for, for reasons. Um, um, and they've got some really cool packs there, but they're all kind of little bits, aren't they? Because they make them out of that bendy, bendy plastic. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if in the, you know, the same way they made all those big hard plastic sheets for the dead zone terrain, that we had some like a Basilean township and like uh, some elf citadel stuff that you could then so you can actually create a kings of war board that's themed in panathor and that's one of the things i hope they do uh, we, so we had almost the exact same conversation or the same topic general topic uh, before you joined the call steve so oh, there we go yeah. well, i'm so sorry to be so repetitive oh not was, at all i was listening to you actually i just i copied yeah you were hiding you in the, behind the bush yeah, that's, <laughs> I no, don't, don't copy our homework are you mad <laughs> that's how bad it's got <laughs> <laughs> Super, um, super. But I mean, just looking at you know the the latest stuff available, the rhinosaurs. It's just it's amazing stuff, isn't it? Really, really is. Super. But um, so, Steve, are you building tables or planning tables for Clash of Kings or other tournaments? Oh, well, let's let's save that for let's save that for the Kings of War section, guys. Oh, okay. Aren't we in the Kings of War section right we're now? We're not in that section. No, 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 Romantic News, which has taken over the whole pod the last couple oh. of episodes. Oh. So, um. Dungeon Saga Origins has arrived with language packs, Clem. Yes, so the language packs uh, have now been delivered and I got all of the things and I'm quite happy with it. I almost played it uh, with some colleagues. Didn't work out, but I'm really eager to to play it again. It's it's a really cool game. Painted the models up? Not yet, no. I'm still building terrain. I was building terrain for my tournament, so that's why I was asking Steve... For uh, on a different level, like I'm really like a baby mouse compared to you, Steve. But still, I'm trying to learn from the greats. No, no, no. Um, every every little helps. Every little and helps. Uh, yeah, so not painted yet, but at some point. And uh, yeah, no. So that's uh, 
I think that's about it for the news. Were there any other news that we that we missed, Chris? Oh, Clem, don't ask us questions like that. The dear listener will be going, guys, there's loads more stuff you've missed. Almost certainly there is, but you know, you know, it is what it is. You know, it's the muck charm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, love, I, mean, I love the fact we're all looking as if we're thinking about this like oh what else what else is there what can we talk about no we're, we're not going to die on this hill guys I, I was more thinking about the so, fact that as soon as I turned up Mark Zielinski left what do, what do they say you know, you know we didn't you saw your face and you, saw, and you thought just, I need to take my kids slam the door shut he's a yes. renowned renowned spiteful man isn't he he's uh, full of full of venom there we are <laughs> It, it takes someone as skilled as you, Steve, to turn Mark Zielinski into a, a beast full of men. And that is I turn Mark Zielinski evil. <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to say it's a talent, but it is unusual. You know? Pretty good. It's I'm proud of, my, proud of myself. Quite right. Quite right. Hey, Steve. Uh, hey, hey, hi. What? December, what? because it must be Christmas for you. Clem, do we have any Warpath, Firefight or Dead Zone to discuss? Oh. I don't think we do. I definitely want to because Steve is here and, you know, there's nothing I like more than bore Steve to death. Um, but honestly, I don't think so. Like, I've been uh, trying to plant seeds locally to uh, get the next iteration of the fast map uh, to be with sci-fi stuff in preparation for our gaming day of the 20th of April, Chris, as you know. Um, and uh, yeah, that looks pretty good. Like a few people have bought some firefight stuff locally, like a few new people, I mean, and um, hopefully are building some of it and will paint some of it at some point and so also can play 500 point games. And that's about it. Oh no, I also brought some um, of the dead zone terrain back home uh, to actually uh, airbrush it because I found a recipe that looks pretty good and uh, that I'm happy with. And uh, so I have this, uh, you know, back on top of the to-do list. After 80 goblins, I have dead zone terrain. Yes, tick. Well done, buddy. Well done. Um, oh, hang on. Um, oh, and um, oh, before I go into that, Clem, um, any news on the Freedom Fighters, you know, your local narrative uh, campaign? How are the Freedom Fighters going? Uh, getting on? Is that is that all kicked off? Yeah, so the... Folks have been playing games. I haven't assembled the additional new guys for my team, so I haven't uh, played a game in that campaign yet. But they're, yeah, they're definitely um, going with it, and people are building their uh, strike teams for it. So, yeah, it is definitely going. I'm sure uh, you mentioned it on the last month, month, monthly, Clem. Which faction did you go for? I decided to uh, take GCPS, uh, although I already have quite a few of these, because I wanted to assemble some more, like some diversity in uh, loadouts for uh, my specialists. And I thought that will be helpful for firefight ar uh, armies, my firefight armies as well. And so it's kind of like two birds with one stone, like it's the same set of miniatures to play two games, uh, which is always a nice thing to do. And um, I also realized, you know what, I love my GCPS and uh, I want to keep expanding them uh, to begin with. So there's no there's no shame in selecting a faction that I'm already basically capable of playing in the campaign to just do another strike team for it and keep expanding on top of it. So, yeah. I can just imagine you doing a, looking at it going, oh, I suppose I might do a few Forge Fathers. Nah, I'm just doing more GCPS. 
Yeah, I mean, the only way I can do some Forge Fathers is in 10 mil. And uh, that uh, will probably happen. Like, I, I think I will end up getting a core box of every faction, just because at that point, might as well. Uh, but in 28 mil, there's no way. Uh, dwarfs are not my thing. Clem, I was, I was imagining we would do two army boxes per faction. So, for example, two Forge Fathers boxes, two Asterion boxes. Did I just make that up? Or was that no. a thing we were talking about? So, well, we're back on Epic Warpath right now, obviously. the That's what I will do for Plague, for example, because in my head, Plague definitely needs the numbers. Although, from playing Firefight, I'm not sure I will behave in uh, Epic Warpath, obviously, but in Firefight, the small griblies are just a monster delivery system, and what actually wins you the games, or like what actually does the heavy, heavy uh, work is uh, your monsters. Uh, so you probably don't need that many numbers, but yeah, definitely for my favorite factions, I will I will get two. But from what I understand, with just one, you're already pretty well set, especially with the uh, STL reinforcement stuff, right? Like uh, I think you can have a pretty solid core with the hull plastic and print some reinforcements uh, if you want to, and you already have like twenty uh, uh, like yeah twenty five hundred point armies uh, just with one box. Does that mean I will not get two plagues? <laughs> that would be not knowing me, right? Like I'll get two plagues, two GCPS, and, and move on from there. Mr. Zelinski. Well, I was just uh, taking a look at that, and it's like, boy, you know, the plague faction has like 250 models or something like that. Some of them are much smaller than that, like the Asterians, but that's a lot of minis. So, but I agree about picking up the extra plastic sets because. That's exactly what I'm thinking about doing. You know, they're 35 pound here, you know, on the pledge manager. And it's like, man, I can't print those, you know, if I get the STLs. So I've got to get the plastics. So definitely something to think about. But I mean, I want to do some Mason Labs, hopefully at some point, too. Although they will probably not make reinforcements for Mason Labs, uh, at least not right away. Um, So, yeah, you mean Plague and GCPS? You kind of want to. It's like someone who wants to go into Vermin and is thinking of getting just one core box. It's like, what are you even doing? Like, it's Vermin. You need to have too many rats, otherwise, you're not doing a Vermin army, right? Same for Kingdoms of Men, Steve. If you don't have too many fanatics, it means you're not doing it right. Sorry, you've blindsided me with some Kings of War talk in the middle of Warpath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I saw you were stra- starting to snooze and falling asleep. I was I was reviewing my Anki deck. Uh, right. <laughs> What's an Anki deck? You know, an Anki Anki is a it's a it's a space repetition software for learning languages or learning anything. Oh, interesting. Okay, fantastic. I tell you what, let's just quick, very quickly wrap up the sci-fi section, and then we can get Steve fully back into the conversation rather than just sort of throwing him a bone every few seconds. Um, so um, the only thing I've done really for Mantic sci-fi, because I have done a lot of sci-fi for another game system. Join us on our other podcast about another podcast. <laughs> is. Um, yeah, I've printed off a couple of lovely uh, Corvus Terrain uh, Dead Zone style buildings and uh, I've painted them up. So that's good. Very, very simple scheme, but look fine. Um, so, yeah, another four buildings to add to the massive pile. So that's good. Um, and I finally found my Mantic trees that I didn't do because I only did a, f- a few to start with. Um, so I'm going to hopefully this week I'm going to get a chance to spray them 
paint them, get them on the table, because I think those uh, Mantic sci-fi trees are absolutely fantastic, which you could also use for Kings of War, Steve. Um, super. So I think, I think so too. yeah. So I, th- I think Mark, unless you've got anything to add for Dead Zone and Firefight. No, I'm, I'm really waiting to see what's going to be coming later this year for Dead Zone. I'm hoping for another two-player starter set. I think I mentioned that before. So, And I think that's where I'm going to pop in. Oh, and did uh, anyone mention, I just uh, came, the new FAQ drop, too. So you can go up on Mantic's website and download the new FAQ. So The Dead Zone one, right? The Dead Zone one, right. Yeah, it just dropped. So Great point, Mark. Fantastic. Yeah. Super. I, I must admit, I haven't got around to uh, having a look, but I'd uh, be interested to see what's there. But it's a absolutely fantastic game. And oh, it was lovely to see friend of the pod, uh, Peter, post, uh, pod all-star Peter. He posted a, a couple of photos on the MUP Facebook group of him teaching his son uh, Dead Zone today. And it's just it just warms the heart, doesn't it? It's so fantastic. It really is. Oh, I wait. Suppose... One last thing for the, the sci-fi stuff. There's a new uh, podcast about uh, Mantic sci-fi lore, right? Great what is it plan. called? Mantic Lore Podcast, I think. I think that's what it was called. The Mantic Lore, like Mantic Horror Podcast or something. That's like it, Clem. You've got it. Yes, you've got it. Yes. I've it, started listening to it. was very much enjoying it. Always great to see, you know, new people doing stuff. And they're, they're new to the game. So it is actually pretty similar to our Antares pod, Clem. But it's like two new guys getting into this and learning it as they go, which yeah. is super cool. No, mm. I think it's, it's really interesting. And, and again, I think we've done a... Um, a up short about content creators uh some of them we forgot obviously like there's so many it's hard to uh, list them all and uh we're happy to see new ones join in uh, it's always good to see that so go give them a listen and they made me buy a lore book uh, like the dead zone what is it called Short they're doing a book club right Right, they're doing book club. I haven't read the book yet, but that's I feel like it's 101 of book club. It's like commit to reading the book and then not read it and then still show up to discussion and try to argue and catch up and see who else hasn't read the book. You know, isn't so that the book's it called Angela's Ashes? And Angela was a great character and um, <laughs> something about Ireland. I mean, it's for masochists uh, who, you know, miss the high school feeling of you haven't read the book and then there's a, you know, there's a, there's a test on it and then you try to read the summary. Like, uh, Mrs. Bennett is the protagonist of this story. Yeah. Anyway, no, go, go and uh, give him a listen. It's a cool podcast. And with that, I think we're done with sci-fi and we can uh, wake Steve up and talk about our Kings of War. And uh, maybe I can get... Uh, Clem, I'll tell you what, while Steve's still not paying attention, I had a brilliant game of Beyond the Gates of Antares yesterday. Ask me as many questions as you like. I'm happy to... Honestly, I've got all night, guys. Sunday night. <laughs> yeah. It was so fun, Clem. It was amazing. I've seen some pictures. Did I understand that right, that you used the idea of using NPCs with one of the factions and they actually won the game? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So the the uh, we were at a, a a battlefield, you know, which is in flux. You know, there's different factions fighting over it, and it had, it had been an old Gar fortress, and the Gar are sort of like um they would have made a brilliant Doctor Who baddie, right? They're sort of weird little things in these giant metal suits, and um, but the Gar had had abandoned their fortress at some point, and the uh, the Concord had moved in, and they created this forward base. But they'd all disappeared, Clem. They'd all, all the Concord, they'd all disappeared, leaving very, very valuable data there. 
uh, and uh, no one bothered to tell my Concorde that the Gar had come back to their fortress. So we didn't have any kind of heavy weapons or anything that could take the, the Gar out. So um, one side, there were some Gar bombers, like the shooty Gar guys, in the, inside their fortress, firing out. And uh, the other side of the board, every round we rolled a dice to see if the Gar assault squad were coming on. So round three, they came on and just tore into my elite uh, drop trooper guys, just wiped them all out. And the uh, the so we, as the Concorde, we moved up onto the three objectives as quick as we possibly could, took very heavy casualties, but we were holding on to the points. My friend Caleb playing the uh, the Algorin came on exactly as Algorin would, you know, with a heavy, heavy uh, armor, just moving up, looking like badasses, shooting, you know, from the hip. And it was just, it was perfect. But I managed to, um, to pin his, uh, his mag cannon. So that wasn't firing. So that was really, really crucial. But at, at some point, his, um, his leader just had one bodyguard left. Everyone else was dead. And my leader was on the center point with a full squad of guys. But we had four pins on us. And I said to him, I actually think, although you've only got your leader and one guy, I think actually it's not a bad idea to charge my leader. And he looked at it and went, yeah, that would be the algorithm thing to do. Right, I'm charging. It wasn't like, yeah, that's a good idea because I've already got four pins on me. So I'm actually in, it looks like I'm in a strong position, but it's a house of cards. So his leader charged in, wiped out my guys and took the point. The bodyguard died, but the the algorithm leader was just there going, um so he's now a named character he got shot down next round brutally by another you know another squad of c3 just shot into him but yeah he's now a named character in the you know they never found his body clan you know yeah of course i mean like all of my leaders who were in a similar situation you know like uh when they reach heroic status they never die so uh, yeah. that's how it goes so we were planning on playing six rounds we managed five rounds but then his he got a couple of messages from from his from family saying oh me you were coming back soon so he cut it a little bit short but it was um yeah my house of cards was was right about to topple but to be fair he didn't have that much left at caleb you know he'd taken some we both taken a lot of casualties the guard totally fine no pins nothing you know just absolutely brutal so yeah so the npcs won clem in conclusion npc winning the game sounds like a good uh it's a good thing but i think and, it's a it's a cool mechanic to add um like some flavor and like make a bit wonky scenarios like crazy stuff happen with some npcs it's also a good excuse to uh you know create some narrative tension uh in a game so that's definitely something we need to try out next time oh it was it was fantastic and of course there's no reason we can't do it with firefight or, or dead zone even right and it's um like you know when my my elite drop shoot troopers got completely wiped out by the guy i was just laughing my head off you know it was just so funny and it felt it felt extremely thematic you know it felt it just felt absolutely right so um oh it's a very good game very very good game a lot of fun and i spent an awful lot of time making the table look exactly as i wanted it to and 3d printing bits and pieces so yeah really good game so cool on that note Let's move on to our Panathor, Kings of War. Let's keep morale, uh, Steve's morale up by going to Steve first. Mark's walked off. That's fine. Hi, this is Alessio Cavatore, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. This is Andy from Mantic Games, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. So much universe, so little time. Steve, King, Kings of War. I, I heard of that game. 
How are your so kingdoms? It's actually made by Mantic Games as opposed to uh, the Gates of Antares, which is made by somebody else completely. Skytrex, get over to their website. What? No one anymore. Skytrex, it used to be Warlord, wasn't successful enough, so it's now Skytrex who were uh, owned by Warlord. Cool. I don't. I was joking. But um, hi, how are you doing? What are we talking about? Kings of War, Steve. Kings of War, I've heard of that. So well, yeah, building it's... terrain for Clash of Kings because I was shut down when I asked you a question about uh, half an hour ago. He's ruthless. Uh, what he? have I become, honestly, guys? What have I become? Honestly. When has he ever cared about what section we're in before? You stare into the void long enough and the void stares back at you, doesn't it? Look at me go. Oh, so I'm not... I've not played Twilight to... King does to you, right? That's it. Yeah, that's oh, exactly a quip. He's evil now. Um, I, have, I, I, I haven't been making any terrain, but um, John Fox has, who, who's on the Clash of King committee, um, he's making some terrain, which is nice. I do need to make uh, five tables of terrain, but I have plenty of time and an enormous amount of polystyrene. So that I'm not worried about that. Um, I did fix my 3D printer, my PLA printer, um, which is very exciting for me because it's been broken for ages. Um, and then I immediately broke it. I was printing off some terrain and various bits of it. It's obviously of an age. And then the belt broke and you extruded it. We've had exactly the same same conversation. So my 3D printer was dead the dear listeners heard this all before about an hour ago replaced it at great expense and then the belt snapped on the new one and it destroyed itself and so i had to i was back to having a a broken 3d printer 24 hours later well in fact you're 3d printing it's it's a hobby in and of itself isn't it and actually maintaining the bloody things is is um is more is part of the fun really i would more rather than saying it's a hobby to me personally and my personality it's more like um being a contestant in a saw film do you know what i mean it's that oh there's a glass of acid and there's a key in the glass of acid and i've got to put my hand in the acid if i was in the saw film i would just sit quietly and wait to just be murdered i I wouldn't i wouldn't even half-heartedly start crawling through the broken glass or whatever i just nah, i'm all right i've had a lovely old life i'm not you know i'm not going out like this i'm not interested it's very boring you know this this jigsaw bloke he's not as interesting as he thinks he is this is not profound i'm just i'm just going to get murdered the police aren't competent we all know that but you know in in the in sorry in the saw (laughs) university listener i have absolutely nothing against the police in the real world it's Are you okay, buddy? <laughs> Your printer. We, we need to like an intervention. We're gonna have worried listeners writing in, going, "Is Chris all right?" And I'm like, "Probably not." But uh, anyway, so yeah, so well, sorry to be repetitive, but anyway, bits. Yeah, so each bit of it broke in succession, and I replaced each bit of it, and then another bit broke, and I haven't been bothered to replace that bit. So I did print off most of a bit of building. And I gave up. Um, and I, no, I've been, what have I been doing? I've been, so instead of making a tour, I've been doing an army because um, I needed to do an army for a tour of tournaments coming up. And then I kind of spent ages and ages making bases and then realized that there was four weeks until the tournament. So I went, oh, whoops. And then in my weird obsessive way, sat every evening for 20 days and painted a whole army. So I painted a whole army uh, to 1995 points. And I've only got one unit left to make it 2300. So that's done. And sorry, Steve, to interrupt. That's your kingdoms of your stunning kingdoms of men, I, I suppose. Kingdoms of meh, as I'm calling them, um, because <laughs> because uh, that's how I play them. Kingdoms of meh. 
um yeah it is them and they're mostly Barcelona infantry and some northern alliance infantry and it's been a real interesting experience painting so i've been paint i've painted a bunch of sisterhood infantry which are very old miniatures um which people generally say mean things about a hideous amount of Barcelona um swordsmen slash spearmen which are more modern ones and then northern alliance infantry which are the newest ones um that's kind of the and they're also some marvelists and stuff and they're not as important um and it's really interesting because of the three of them the sisterhood i way enjoyed painting more than the others like it's just colossally more than the others so it turns out sisterhood they're just very poorly made the miniatures themselves are lovely lovely but actually if you take them as they come and try and sit them together they look extremely bizarre you have to slice and dice them so you have to cut bits of their heads off to make them fit into the bodies and you have to slice bits of the body so the heads fit in and then you have to cut the arms a bit shorter right which is a fact but once you do that they're fan and oh and you also um i i, I stuck all the flail they all come with a flail they want flails right and all their flails are flinging up in the air in a kind of a u which is weird so i put them all in hot water and i reshaped all the flails to be like dragging on the floor or kind of coiling a bit and they're fantastic minis just lovely really really nice are um, they the ones from vanguard or are, are those no no the older yeah uh, the original old rubbish pvc ones uh they're not pvc what, what's it called mark it's called um Restic. Red yeah. stick, yes. Red stick, Mark's least favourite material. They were horrible to have to stick together, I would say. Yes. That was the worst bit, sticking them together was a nightmare. Um, but they're, but I just really fell in love with the miniatures once I had them together. Um, and plus, they're a lovely, simple miniature. There's no faff on them. There's no straps. There's no bits of pouch and just stupid, you know, one of them's holding a cigar for no reason. All that nonsense. None of that. It's just everyone's got the same uniform they've got some variations they were lovely to paint right so that's those ones the Basilean um swordsman slash spearman i i came to love yes christopher you have your hand up yes yeah, sorry steve just to just to back you up there our friend manuel had a i think he sold it now but he had a, a an army which was mostly sisterhood and uh just to reiterate what you're saying it was yeah it looked great fantastic it looked okay. really really nice with the old mantic models yeah once you've cut the heads to fit because the problem is, right, right, a lot of them, they come with a collar attached to the head, but the collar is also on the body. So you need to cut the collar off the head so the head sits in the body. And then it doesn't look weird anymore. It just looks fine. Um, anyway, and I painted 60 Basilean swordsmen, um, which I came to love over time because they none of them have got faces. They're just all helmets, which is very easy. Uh, it's lovely to just paint a bunch of helmets. Non-metallic metals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All in there. Um, and it was a bit the worst thing is because my the way I do non-metallic metal gold takes a lot longer than silver and I put a lot of gold on just I really regretted that by the time I got to the last regiment I'm like I want to die oh god no again and I painted I I did a a logo like um, an emblem on all their shields and I realized that painting the same emblem like on 60 shields is very hard (laughs) it's very hard to get it looking the same in all of them um, so there's quite a few at the back of the regiments where uh, they're not quite as good and you know, they're just the best ones to sit at the front they all worship a dragon is that correct yeah yeah they all worship so a dragon. maybe some of the later ones they could worship a stick or, it looks like you know, christine my wife my wife said oh i thought it was a dog <laughs> like, you can go um, i love i love the idea of people hey, worshiping a dog, a dog. I, I'm, I'm all in I, I would be leading the northern alliance to go and join them oh, this I dog is really I mean, good dog 
sounds a lot more reasonable. Like you can see the dog, right? I mean, it changes every 15 years or so because, you know, that's a dog. But then you can see the dog and pet the dog and enjoy the dog. Like it's a nice dog versus a dragon. You can see the dragon, too. It's, uh, it's right. Right. Would you go and pet him, though? This, yeah. It's a brave you are, buddy. Um, you can certainly do it once, you know. Do anything Baby. once. You can eat anything once. You, know. you can reach it. Yeah. Anyway, and then I painted. Uh, so, and then I painted a bunch of the Northern Alliance clansmen, right? And I had the two-handed weapon upgrades on them, and which I printed a bunch of those. Um, and boy, you know, people make jokes about how much Mantic loves straps. Mantic, modern Mantic. I don't know who's the guy that sculpts them. Italian guy, wasn't he? Uh, Luigi? 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 We always call him Luigi. So let's hope. Yeah, let's hope that's right. Uh, he 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 does love a strap. I think he's got a fetish. I swear to God, these Northern Lions miniatures, some of them, the entire front of their miniature, and I'm not even kidding, the whole front from their shoulders down to their knees is straps. Like they have ornamental straps dangling from the skirt of their little thing for no reason. Why? Why am I painting so many straps? Anyway. Well, Steve, we don't know. We don't know what's in his contract. You know, like sometimes you think GW you know, sculptors, they're paid, you know, how many skulls they put into something. They're exactly, paid by, paid the, by skull. the skull. Maybe he lost a bet or won a bet with a sculptor friends. Like, I bet you can put 50 straps on a spruce. Like, no way, man. No way. <laughs> Most of my designs just have the one cod piece. But this one, I really pushed the boat out on. <laughs> Five cod pieces. He's covered in belts. But he's made his costume out of belts. Hey, guys, you like my belt-themed costume? What's wrong with you, Clive? Anyway, so so I did a lot of those guys, but um, they're fine. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so it's all done now. Still, uh, at least it's not a bust, though, Steve, right? Not, well. So we can comfort ourselves with the knowledge it's not a bust. It's not been made into a bust. Well, the standard bearer that I've got has got a bust. I tell you what, see, I, it's a standard bear. I, I, I just searched for free standard bear models and I found one that was a, kind of a, looked vaguely knight-like and human-like. And whoever sculpted it, it's, um, it's in full armour apart from the torso where it has like just a cloth armour and a cleave, like a massive cleavage for no reason. I'm like, you're the your armour needs firing, whoever they are. I, mean, I can get the inspiring part of that maybe, but gosh. Anyway. Maybe... So we, Maybe the you know the, the 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 lady soldiers were overheating. Maybe right. that I think that's the... what it is. They were just very warm carrying the big standard around, and that's that's why. But um, I think that one was sculpted by a man. Anyway, so that's my standard bearer. Uh, but that's the only. I, I think I think we're safe to assume that. To be fair. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but what Four else did I got? Men, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> no, hey, I I downloaded it, so I'm I'm, I'm uh, to blame. And then uh, so I've got a couple of. Um, uh, 3d prints for like a winged general and like a hair on pegasus and all that kind of stuff uh yeah but it's all done now so that's quite fun and i ran it out today a friend of mine came around to play um Gilvanus. shout out to jill doesn't listen to podcasts um he's a cool guy exceptionally good player i think he's he's the uk's top war machine player currently um and, and kings of war is his casual game um so i never won against him but i beat him today because he rolled lots of double ones which was good fun it's is he good. a relatively new player steve yeah brand new he's played one tournament but he's he's not new to war machine he's been playing war machine for years and he played warhammer 8 but um did you know him prior to him taking up kings of war no 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 he just he reached out to a, a local player and um they were playing three or four times and he always tables me but i beat him today so it's quite exciting because he rolled two double ones at critical points which is always fun isn't it 
Oh, I don't. What was he thinking? Rolling double ones. Maybe, you know, maybe he's, he's, he's such a to... clever player. You know, you think he'd be <laughs> avoiding that kind of thing. He's rolling better. I realise this. This is something we could talk about. I don't know because um, I was playing another friend recently, and at one point. Oh, Steve! If this is a long conversation, so because our guest, you know, was sadly unable to attend today. Uh, maybe if this is going to be a long conversation, maybe we can move it to topic of the month because that's now wide open. I think that's we should right. keep topic of the month uh, um, as it comes, right? Let's let's do it right now. It's right in the middle of it. Yeah. No topic of the go, month. Go topic of the it, month Steve, is. Go. I don't know if it's month. It was just a it's just a thought. <laughs> Maybe it's not topic of the month. But um, I was playing my friend, and he went, and I was going badly for me, and he went, "Oh, you've got all sulky." And what I was actually doing, and it made me laugh, because what I was actually doing was thinking, and I don't think very much. And obviously, when I think. I go all quiet because, as you can tell, I have the brain of like a, a demented rabbit. And so when I think it takes over 90 percent of my processing power. So I kind of power down like a droid that's gone into charge mode, like and I kind of stare at the board because what I'm doing is actually thinking for the first time. And um, and uh, I, I, he, he, he said he said he was joking that I don't sulk. I, maybe maybe I do. But um, I just. I wonder if there are things you do when you're playing that make it not fun for the other person and you don't know you're doing them. So, you know, if I'm like, cause I'm quite obviously a ludicrously loud and enthusiastic person. If I'm like that and then all of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, and I literally power down and stare at the board for 10 minutes because I'm trying to think about what they're trying to do maths in my head or I'm not good at. That's not maybe, maybe not fun for the other person that it seems like, Oh, why is he sulking? Just cause he's losing. And I wondered if there's other things we do that might not be um great question steve I, i've got a funny feeling i'm kind of similar actually i think if it's a really really close exciting game of kings of war it's almost too much for my brain and, mm. and i think i think you're right i go from being really friendly and uh, and chatty to a bit more i don't know yeah as, I, I think exactly as you've described actually i mean yeah, quite especially possibly. if it's game three of a of a tournament right exactly like the other day and just exactly. about crashing yeah. It's an actually challenging game because you potentially match with a player about your level or potentially better than you if you were lucky in the previous games. Mm. So that, that can definitely happen, I think. Yeah, I think it's it's easier to see what uh, annoys us in others when we play with them than uh, necessarily you know, come forward with things we don't even realize that we're annoying uh, the person we're playing with. I think uh, we've been uh, chatting like <clears throat> off the um, off the pod. I think people who uh, complain about dice too much uh, is uh, kind of an annoying thing. Uh, in my opinion, the only time that it's uh, okay to complain about dice is when your dice is too good, maybe a little <laughs> bit, uh, because I personally f- find it a bit embarrassing. Uh, otherwise, I mean, sure, it's your third double one, kind of sucks, but I mean. I don't know. Unless you're playing for the top table or something like that, I I see it as a funny funny coincidence or like uh, I even now uh, you know try to not taunt the double one gods. You know when there's a critical fight and say only a double one can save you now and then you roll the dice and that's what what you happens. You always do at that point, yeah. 100%. Yeah, so that's when you keep your mouth shut. But also if you do roll double one, I I would start laughing, you know, rather than be like. Arr. That um, was, I think, that was one of the few times in my life I've, I've really felt like I needed to apologise to my opponent. So when it was Clash of Kings in Cardiff, and I was playing against one of the Moonrakers, and it was, if you guys remember, the air conditioning was broken, 
And you think, oh, it's Cardiff. That's no issue. It seriously was an issue. And it was the last game of the day. And I'm fairly certain I played Trident Realm. I played the best I've ever played that game. It was against a really scary Night Stalkers list. And I honestly played really, really well. And we both agreed, as long as I don't double one twice in the last round, uh, I've won and we'll stop playing. So I double one twice. And then (laughs) still, still, I had my Worm Riders to charge. I could still kill that unit and pick up the token. It was like a regiment of infantry. It was already damaged. And I think I needed to roll a four. I'm making it. It was a few years ago now, but it was something like I need to roll a four on the wave test once. And I rolled a three. And at that (laughs) point, that just, it was like, no, this is... This is just too much. That broke. That really broke me. That really, which, really. Which moonmaker did. was it? Out of interest. Leo. Leo. Oh, he's lovely. He's lovely. He's lovely. lovely and it was. It was made all the worse because he said something like, "I've lost my first two games, and I only feel like I've. I've. I feel like I've completely cheated you out of this one, and I've won it. But it feels so unsatisfying. Aww. And that doubled the pain. It was like, oh, Leo, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to ruin your time, but it was." It was way too hot. It, it was, and I think I, we got in at something ridiculous, like half past two. We got to our hotel in the morning. Yeah, yeah, then, the night before know, we were very Yeah, yeah, because we flew into early. London and then rented a car and drove to Cardiff at like uh, midnight or something. Yeah, yeah. So it had been this huge thing to get there, and yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mm. What's your biggest pet peeve when you when you play with someone, Mark? That they bring more than five hundred points on the table. <laughs> hey, I love five hundred point games. So, <laughs> what's your pet Not... peeve, Mark? What's your biggest what's pet that? peeve? What's your biggest pet peeve? You My biggest someone... pet peeve when someone plays against you. Uh, I don't know. I haven't really run into anybody who's really been nasty or that's really bothered me before, to be honest with you. So, except I Colin, mean, of course. Yeah, and, uh, he's fine too. <laughs> but no, I mean, I really. I, I guess I don't have one off the top of my head. I'm just, you know, fairly easy going. And, you know, I mean, I haven't really run into anybody that's really caused me anything that, you know, I get angry about. So, honestly. So that, that's a challenge now. And uh, Yeah, who's going to piss off Mark <laughs> Yeah, <first>? yeah. <laughs> I'm going to smash it. Well, me and Mark are playing. We'll be meeting again soon. Maybe I can. Uh, there you go. There you I, go. You know, as I drop down to the to the lower tables and Mark zooms past me in his usual, you know, boot crushing victory. Yeah, right. Well, maybe we'll meet on the lower table and then you can crush me, Steve. That would be then have we, you, we've, catapult you back up. So <laughs> have you um have you actually got an army to play at this tournament yet? <laughs> <laughs> I I was just talking about that. I forget where I, I think I typed that in the show notes. Yes, I as of right now I'm planning on bringing my first edition orc army to Vanguard. Let's so. go. <laughs> yes, all individually based on uh, nice steel trays and everything else. So, but uh, <laughs> going old school. That's my travel army. So that's what I'm planning on bringing. I am sitting here working a little bit on some uh, Riftforge orcs. But uh, I don't think that they're going to be done in time. So I just it's my busiest season. And, uh, you know, but I like my orc army. It's, you know, it's fairly well painted. And I've got one I could probably rebase. And, uh, you know, I've got abyssal dwarfs and ogres and stuff like that. I've got a green lady army over there, too. So um, Collins undead. uh, I could do that. So absolutely. But no, no, I think the orcs are coming. Uh, 
you know, maybe something I could do is, uh, you know, do some hell strikers or something and work it out to be a rift forged army. But, you know, I've got chariots in there and they suck and, you know, so it should be fun. I, no, you use I, the formation. It's got a formation that makes them really good. Yeah. All right. Well, see, there you go. I'll have to do some list planning with you, Steve. So we'll all have right. to go through my uh, box of units. So, but I do have a big flying gribbly and all sorts of stuff that I don't get to use too often. So that'll be fun, but you know, so it's got a horde in it and it's got some, uh, hordes of trolls and stuff like that. So, you know, it's good. So, uh, actually it's the army. Let's see. I brought it down when we played doubles in Dallas, um, at, uh, legends so uh that was fun colin brought the undead i brought the orcs down and it's my travel army so i that is what's coming as of right now unless that changes but it's not going to change so that's what i'm bringing so hopefully i can plan a little bit with you and we can uh, see what kind of list we can create this is fred reminding you to visit the kings of war forum kowforum.com no ads no commercials that's kowforum.com. This is Ronnie Renton, and you are listening to the Mantic Universe podcast. How did you well, guys? Did you guys already talk about Warsaw? Well, I registered for it. I haven't bought tickets yet, and I, I plan on going. Uh, but uh, yeah, Chris, did you uh, plan to go also late May or not yet? I ha- I've got to be honest. I haven't really thought about it. It's obviously it's going to be a flight and all the rest of it. So it's um, Which airport are you flying going into? to Clash of Kings. I'm going to Steve's <laughs> tournament. I'll, I'll I'll have to have a think about it. Time. It's all you know. Yeah, I mean for me it's a bit closer. Um, I'm also interested in going because I think I will get a beating because they have a pretty good local group and they like I think they do one tournament per month or something. So I expect to you know learn a lesson or two. <laughs> playing the game so i'd love yeah. i genuinely i'd love to go i mean you know uh, yeah i think i mean i played against a polish guy at clash of kings uk and i very much got a beating um yeah i very much you, like to go but yeah just life and and such well, yeah of course it, the, i can make the, it work well the other argument for me is uh accommodation is relatively cheap uh so compared to going to anywhere in germany and take a two-day like two nights hotel stay it's uh yeah like half the price or something or if not less depending on what you, what arrangements you make uh same for food and, and so on it's uh slightly cheaper so it also works uh it should work okay after my uh, epic warpath uh, splurges uh getting a bit of a weekend away uh probably going to uh go there with my wife as well cuz she said she wanted to uh you know, come have a look at the event and uh, maybe go visit the city a little bit. Obviously, we're much closer. So like for us, it's a four or five hour train ride. Train ride, so it probably makes it easier. Yeah, it's a for me, it's a flight. Yeah. Yes. I mean, actually, funnily enough, as much as I'd love to see Sarah, now you've mentioned you you might go there with Sarah and make a weekend of it. Um, yeah. Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's kind of well, maybe maybe I back epic war path or maybe i do that sort of thing rather than doing both you know but anyway um interesting but i've never been to poland sorry mark oh i was gonna say i've never been either i'd love to go so but uh you know one of the other things you're talking about traveling with your wife to a possible tournament stuff are there any plans for or has the irish tournament moved forward at all or 
No, um, no. So it's we think it's going to happen, but we're not. Uh, we don't have any. I don't have. Unfortunately, I don't have any more information for the dear listener or for uh, or for, yeah. for you guys. Um, I think it's going to happen, um, but um, yeah, we'll have to watch that. Watch this space for now. But anyway, yeah, I'll have to get a heads up. I'll have to get a heads up on that for flights. Yeah, and stuff like that. yeah, so yeah. I think time's Ireland's- ticking. It it might be. I mean, Tom, you know, friend of the pod, Tom, Tom and Kevin are, are arranging it. I mean, it, it it might be they just want to do the first one as kind of as a proof of concept concept without so much pressure, and then maybe next year they sort of you know they when they've got a handle on what they're doing because I don't think they've done something like this before. So and um, I mean it's a, it's a lot to organize. I mean we forget uh, it's easy to forget when we have uh, rock star Steve uh, with us like uh, who organize hundreds of participants at, uh, tournaments just like that you know on a, a lost a bet in a pub with Ronnie or something. Uh, I uh, I run a tiny tiny tournament last weekend like there were twelve seats uh, and nine people showed up. And uh, already this kind of kept me busy for a while and, you know, always kind of stress out about, okay, I need to make this work. Like I'm, you know, taking time of people's agenda, like uh, they've put this day in the calendar, they're traveling, like some of them are traveling. So you definitely want to make it right. Um, And obviously we've done tons of gaming days, right? So you could think, oh, it's the same thing. And it's pretty close, but not quite, you know. Clem, did you, sorry for this weekend, we're talking about it now, did you actually, um, you know, make a note of who won what and give tournament points and all that? Or oh, just absolutely. Do... Oh, we, oh, you we did? Kept, oh, wow. We kept uh, Northern uh, Northern King scoring. I decided in the scenarios there were clocks, although the clock was optional, because I think a third of the participants were brand new Kings of War players. Uh, you know, like maybe played one or two games before, not uh, brand new to tabletop gaming and not brand new to going to events. So at least they had some experience with that. But still, like, um, even if you know how to play the game a little bit, the first time you play on the clock, it's quite stressful, you know. Um, so anyway, the, the clock was optional. But yeah, otherwise, we, we did uh, keep the, the scores and adjusted tables and so on um yeah absolutely fantastic clem and uh was there anyone of note who attended would you say what do you mean uh, well uh so uh, <laughs> of course all of them were uh not- <laughs> <laughs> everybody everybody attended Come on, out right. with it chris out with it so there was uh, there's a very very nice australian uh chap called andrew who lives local to me and uh he is, he's maybe 20 minutes away something like this and um he's very new to tabletop gaming so i and um andrew i hope i'm getting this right so apologies if not i think you know he's the kind of guy who played hero quest as a kid you know that that's his kind of level of experience with tabletop gaming and then he was looking you know had kids except got married had kids etc and he was looking for a hobby and came across kings of war really interested did a night stalkers army so he's someone who's with very very little hobby experience has played a couple of games of kings of war he's now finished a thousand points of uh, night stalkers which is incredible he's done very full units i think pretty much full model count if i'm 
off the top of my head and it's just it's just absolutely amazing that he's put all this you know love into this he'd never really painted models before or anything like that and and he got on the train i unfortunately i couldn't make it but he got on the train and uh and got to you know frankfurt to berlin it's a fair old way right clem yeah and, it's, uh, it's quite a quite a trip and to uh, event clem it's just yeah, really, really cool yeah, he played uh, he played my tiny undeads and uh, he did pretty well at the tournament. Like um, uh, like he didn't get the wooden spoon, uh, but uh, yeah, no. It, I, and I think it's uh, it's really for me it's a badge of honor to have uh, complete beginners still attend the tournament. And I think for Kings of War in general, that's a really it says something about the game and about the community that. Even like even Clash of Kings, like the biggest tournaments of the year, if you're a complete beginner, you will still have a great time, and that is very dear to my heart. You know. Uh, uh, actually, I've got want to comment on that, but I'll just briefly finish talking about Andrew. So, in one of our practice games, he had a I don't know whether it was a horde of bloodworms or a legion of bloodworms, but anyway, he had a lot of bloodworms. And the mistake he made was getting uh, flank charged by some mutants that are just casually do 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 do, um, and I they did forty so they had forty attacks because it was in the flank. I think they did thirty seven wounds. <laughs> <laughs> so it was sort of um, oh wait hang on he's brand new and uh, so the mistake he made there buddy was just letting them get char- flank charged by my scariest unit. But um, but yeah, but he's a, he's a super super nice guy and it's super cool he made it. And speaking Clem, speaking of new players going to Clash of Kings this year, so my my very very good friend Chris, we've been friends since we were eight. He, I got him a ticket when the tickets were all selling out because I was like, ah, come on. Invited him along only after I'd already got him a ticket, and um, he has played a couple of games of ambush with us, I think, Clem. Um, but um, he's never well. really played. Kings. Yeah 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, right. We played the massive. He joined us for the massive, awesome battle, right, for my birthday. And um, so he's down to borrow an army, Northern Alliance. He's picked. So he's picked Northern Alliance. He likes likes the look of that. So he was either going to go Northern Alliance or Twilight Kin. His wife was encouraging him to go Twilight Kin, but he picked Northern Alliance. Says something about his character. Uh, and um, so he's he's down to borrow an army. But 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 he has bought an army. And he started doing it. And wow. um, he's That's done. Nice. A, so he found an online tutorial, you know, YouTube t- tutorial uh, to make, you know, icy snowy bases. And he's done an amazing job of following this tutor- tutorial. So it's still early days. You know, it's a long way to go for a 2,300 points army. He's doing a very elite army, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Less stuff to paint. So he's he's thought about, you know, what's likely, what's possible. So it may well be that's the end of it and he doesn't paint a single model further but i think there's he's got time there's a fair chance he's going to be coming with his own army which would be amazing right so but yeah, um, i think that's he's going to have a great a special time. feeling as well right like when you kind of uh, spend some time building an army and then you actually bring it someplace and actually play games with it it creates a different uh, relationship to it. Like uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. I said that to him. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he's obviously the first thing we did was kind of uh, okay. Let's let's get an army. So he's got an army to play, and then on his own, he was just you know having a little look at things of well, actually, you know, I would like to do my own army. So it's really exciting. Really, really exciting. Yeah, or maybe he just paints uh, like some units or some of it. 
uh, you know, to have some of his own on the table and borrows the rest of it, that could also work, you know, uh, just to make sure that they can make it to the event with a complete army, but still have some some stuff that he made himself. There's always tons of options, I think, for this. Yeah, I don't want to put pressure on him. I I think he's gonna, you know, I think he's gonna do it, but. You know, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. But really, really cool, really, really exciting, super. Oh, and uh, very funny. So fighting against um, Andrew, the the who won a game, Clem at the tournament, right? He did win one win uh, one out of three. Um, I so, think so, yes. Mm, so we were playing a thousand points in in Quest Hub in Frankfurt, and uh, it was about turn three or four, and. I was in a very good situation, I'll be honest. You know, my Twilight Kin, you know, we were fighting stuff. We'd done a great job of nullifying some stuff. And uh, But the one thing he had left was some doppelgangers, regiment of doppelgangers. And uh, a, a chap came over and ex- expressed interest. Oh, what are you guys playing? So, oh, we're playing Kings of War. So I went into my sort of sales pitch, you know, come and, come and play with us. And uh, so, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name is, oh, I'm also called Chris. And he was Christopher with CH, which is very unusual in Germany. So, you know, he was a doppelganger. And then I sort of looked back at the board and the doppelgangers had killed my uh, terror. They'd killed my uh, horde of uh, impaler guys. And so, you know, what's happening here? It was a very comic, uh, comic moment involving lots of doppelgangers coming at me from all angles. That's quite funny. So there we go. But um, but yeah, but uh, not to... Um, yeah, and just just very quickly, yeah. So I've been had a few different, uh, you know, running demos or just getting the new guys in. Um, I, I very cheekily um, showed a, a couple of like little painting tricks and things to one of the new players who has a Northern Alliance army, just to show him how to do a couple of little simple little things. So um, the uh, the owner had his own personal models sort of set up with his paints and everything in the corner, and I was like. Oh, quickly just show this guy something he's like yeah that's all right no worries um so yeah so you know and now doing, you go doing play stuff. uh play to the the at the store quite often do you have a set time uh like a set day in the week or something where you go there uh, or yeah so i need to i need to change it a little bit because i need to finesse the formula clem because um we tend to get there for thursday which is a day that works really well but actually it's probably not the smartest day to go because that's kind of card game night. And uh, bless JD, he always finds a table for me. But um, they're probably not, it's probably better to go when people are playing models, you know, like a miniatures game rather than card games because it's just a slightly different thing. I'm sure there is a lot of overlap. Um, but I'd rather... Yeah, but still, yeah, it's probably better and make it easier for everyone. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's hard to uh, have a set time in the week. Uh, I've been trying to do that locally as well. So far, I've managed every other week uh, to get one evening where we play Kings of War. But that's good uh, though, Clem. It's, every it's other already, week, it's already yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot uh, to make it happen, you know. But, yeah. Quite right, buddy. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah. I think there's a lot of um, new players coming in at the moment. It seems to be an influx, which is really good. Um, so... <clears throat> I think if any new players come across the podcast and they've lasted this long, then A, well done. But uh, B, you know, coming to a tournament is 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 not as scary as you think it is, certainly for Kings of War. And there's a lot, I, I see, you know, Kings of Clash of Kings is a great example. We're up to 200 players for this year now and, and a lot of first-time players are coming. A lot, you know, a handful of first-time players coming. Um, 
and and you know everyone has a good time people people came to our last tournament there's a guy came from australia who who's been on this podcast quite a lot um his first ever games of kings of war were at the tournament which is ridiculous uh he's coming back next year so uh, you know there's a lot a lot of people just like that so it's a it's for everyone kings of war i think you can be the most hardcore vicious psychopathic power gamer and we have them and you can be a super casual friendly narrative gamer uh, we have those too uh, it just seems to work so really Steve, nicely. let's put you on the spot then who is the most psychopathic power gamer mark zelensky <laughs> oh yeah right <laughs> I'm I'm the uh, puddle jumping, uh, uh, what do you call it? Narrative player uh, surfing in the bottom of the pool. So, but Steve's right. I, I Kings of War tournaments are nothing to be afraid of. They're lots of fun, and uh, you know, just there's so many nice people. And you know, as I mentioned earlier about my pet peeves, I, I never have run into. I've never had a bad game at a tournament. I guess I'm blessed. And. I don't go to a ton of them, but the ones I go to are fantastic. And I've of, of the three tournaments you've played in the last <laughs> ten years. You know, I mean, I've flown down. I played at Lone Wolf a number of times. You know, Living Legends. You know, team tournaments. Uh, you know, Ocon. I've I've had you know flown to Clash of Kings for last year. So you know, I've just never never had a bad game. Always have a great time. And you know, part of the Part of the fun is even not being at the tournament. I mean, there's fellowship after that. I've played D&D, board games, gone out drinking, dinners, you know, the whole banana. It's just, it's just a good time, you know, and just, you just have fun meeting people. And it's an overall experience just to, you know, just get, got, get out of the house, so to speak. And, uh, you know, hey, bring your significant other with you, too. You know, they have a good time, too. That's one of the things, like Lone Wolf. I always tried to get Debbie to go Lone Wolf. So, But, you know, they go out, and the spouses that are, you know, significant others that aren't playing in a tournament, they're out running around shopping and, you know, having a grand old time, and they meet up with us at night. So always fun. Yeah, it's when, I mean, for example, when Clem and I started playing, the primary thing when we started was the game, right? We we both had, that was our common interest. That was the thing that brought us together. And it's a, the, as time goes on, it was the same with Trent, et cetera, as well, right? Friends of ours. As time goes on, the game is, we still have a great time with it, but it's less important because the people go from being your your gaming buddies to like, genuine friends, you know, it, that transcends gaming. So it's still great to play games and we, obviously we have a brilliant time. Um, but but the relationships deepen beyond that, don't they? So um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that um, actually makes uh, makes a difference. And I think even if uh, you go to an event, you know, nobody, um, other people who go to the tournament, most of them they like the same thing as you do, and so you already have something in common with them, right? Like from the from the get go. So even if you know no no one, you will sort of easily find uh, some people to have a good time with. So that's uh, that's really not an issue. Totally One thing, and I do think. Sorry, buddy, just to interrupt you there for a second. And I really think the the onus should not be on the new player, but on the community to welcome that person in and make sure they're not left out. And you know, because the worst thing if you're the new player is if you're left 
sitting in the corner by yourself and no one comes over to talk to you and that kind of thing. Um, you know, so I think it really is on the, on the community to make sure new people are involved and, hey, do you want to come and join us for lunch or whatever? Do you know what I mean? And just I agree. Sure. No, I think yeah. that's uh, that's important. I would say it's uh, kind of a good behavior in general, but it's, it's also true uh, in particular for these type of events. What I wanted to say also is um, I, I've seen like in my tiny, tiny tournament last weekend, the other interesting thing is when you have people um, coming from outside of your gaming group, there are maybe different ways of playing the game. Uh, so there were like a few situations where like, no, actually like the, the rules work slightly differently. Like let's have a look at the book again quickly. And it's like, oh, oh, I didn't realize that. Like, we've always been, we've been playing, playing the game. We've been playing it slightly wrong. Yeah. You know, slightly wrong with the three people locally, uh, like in our small group. And uh, oh, that's 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 new. And that's interesting. Um so th- that part, I think, it, it can be um, an interesting thing to see at the tournament. But also, you see different armies, different play styles. So that part is also, I think, a good uh, a good plus of going to an event. And th- also, the, the initial reason why I even organized a tournament is because one of the local players said, you know what, I'm very busy with work. I have two kids, uh, young age. I don't get to play that often. And so whenever I manage to to negotiate, like fit one day my calendar to actually play games, I'd like it to be like a full day where people show up at nine nine thirty. Make the most of it. And, and play. Clem, till, this is a conversation you know, we've had, a, particularly about your Berlin group previously, right? It's like um, you know they're sort of a little bit like cats, right? Some people are like, yeah, I don't want to get out. You know, it's my day off. I don't want to get out of bed early. I want to uh, sleep in turn up at 11 o'clock or 12, play a game, sit around, hang out, chat, and then go home again. They don't necessarily want to have that kind of structured day, right? So it's yeah, interesting it's, you've actually It's, it's also completely valid to do this, right? Like, And um, some people didn't, didn't come necessarily to the tournament. But um, no, I think it's, it's just um, slightly organizing differently and then... Uh, um, Going into it with a maybe a different mindset of, okay, I know I'm going to play three games today. I'm going to try something slightly different, maybe. And I, I think also, again, just based on this one tiny, tiny experience, I think some of the um, reluctance to actually organize it as tournaments is tournaments kind of have a bad name. You know, I think for, and if you ask me, like before I got into Kings of War, hey, do you want to go into a tournament? I would say, fuck no. Like, why would I do this to myself? I am here to have a good time and and enjoy the game. Why would I go to a competitive, you know, with a bad uh, meaning attached to it? Even that that to me doesn't compute, right? And so I think maybe it's just about reclaiming what we actually do when we do tournaments that we skip it. Still a nice event to go to, even if you're not there to necessarily fight for the top table or, or something like this funny so, enough Clem, one of the new local guys has said who's painting up his army as we as we go he said oh no i'd never go to a tournament that's just i would not have a good time at that and and we got and i was saying well actually for kings of war it's just not the, what you think it is it's not like that and so we got to the point where he sort of said well maybe i'll try once you know which is totally fair enough right maybe just give it a go yeah, just absolutely. try it once might yeah, like yeah. It. maybe doesn't like it but maybe you know i very much suspect he will i mean i i think if you if the community of players is uh you know 
nice and and uh, welcoming and so on. The advantage of a tournament is again you do get uh, to play a bunch of games, uh, and over one or two games you get matched with players of a similar level. And uh, I remember I was kind of surprised by it that the first time I went to a two days tournament was the German GT with you in in Cologne. Um, yeah, like after like game three, game four, you're really playing a very, very interesting game uh, because you really are matched with some, someone you put potentially have never met. So bringing something new to the table and so on, but uh, who is still pretty well matched to your own level or way of playing. And it makes for very interesting games, uh, you know, even oh, if you definitely. get your ass kicked like I, I did in, in that uh, in these games. But, you know. Yeah, the funnest way to go into a tournament is seriously, don't expect to win. You're there to have fun. You know, just go in with a little narrative. And if you heard Walt talk, you know, he went to Clash of uh, Kings Australia. I mean, he did a narrative event for himself to keep it exciting, you know, through the entire tournament. So, and that's another thing you can do, you know. I mean, you can mark down a little thing for your own thing, you know, with the scar orcs and everything else, you know, and you can have fun with it. You know, I mean, I'm jumping in the car and I'm going to be driving six and a half hours to get my butt kicked all weekend. <laughs> you know, I, think I mean, I should... the best parts I'm going to see Steve and I'm going to see Jake Cherapika and all these people that, you know, I'm excited to go hang out with and break bread and have a good time playing the game. So, you know, I don't care if I win or lose, and maybe I'm unique in that, but I really no, don't not care. at all, Mark. No, not at all. I just, I, th- I just think people that think like that tend to be quite quiet, and uh, and you know, so we, it's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, my Twilight Kin, I'm taking to Steve's tournament, uh, Clash of Kings, sold out, dear listener. But you know, get on the the wait list to see if you can get yourself a ticket. Um, it's my Twilight Kin. I've got quite a lot of mutants and gribbly monsters. So what I'm thinking is that over time they've got horribly corrupted by the void and this is almost like their last the last stage of their you know maybe they get wiped out you know they they're it's it's the toward the end of their story at clash of kings and what i think i'll do after that is then kind of go back in time with the same army of like this was when they were you know pretty sprightly young oh i'm a pretty optimistic sad elf before i became a tentacle monster you know um so that's kind of so I'm already thinking, and of course, you know, talking to Walt as often as I do, it's it's really infectious, right? This this idea of well, you know, our, a Danny named my ship the Daughter of Blackness. So yeah, it's the crew of the Daughter of Blackness, you know, and it's just this is really cool. This is really really fun. It doesn't matter. I, of course, I like uh, always if it's a six game event or a five game event. I always I like to win two games. That's my that's where I set my bar, which is you know pretty low. But uh, hey, Chris, you, know, you should. Um... It's nice to win a couple of games. You should, um, you when you fixed your 3D printer, you could uh, scale up one of the Twilight Kin boats and make the display board a full-sized Twilight Kin boat and bring it with you. And that's your just that's the daughter of blackness. There you go. I would be delighted to. It, getting on the aeroplane is it will be a challenge though, as as is. But you know, just uh, pack it in yet. Yeah, okay. bubble wrap and put in the in the cargo. Yeah. Or ask uh, Steve to uh, print it for you locally. Yeah, well. Uh, oh yeah, Steve. I mean, Steve's a much better painter than I am as well. So it's a yeah, brilliant. Thanks for doing that, Steve. Thanks. No, I do it for I the cheap, thanks, cheap, thanks. cheap price of lots of money. Steve, you're also <laughs> judging best painted. Can I? Can I win that? I'd, I'd, I'd like that. 
I mean, well, well best part, well, I'm, I'm glad you've asked this question. Let me, let me, let me draw us like relentlessly back on topic, but not back on topic really. But so, uh, best painted Clash of Kings is actually uh, kind of a cool thing because there's 200 people there, right? So you might think, well, um, there's no way I'm going to win any best painted race. So what we did last year is we had our three kind of best painted type awards, which were, you know, um, one for best army, one for best unit, one for best uh, uh, miniature. And um, and and they get kind of a bottle of whatever from from Ronnie and and a, and a trophy. But we also gave out uh, a judges award. So each judge gave out uh, an award um, to each to, to the an army they loved. So there's five of those, and and we're going to try and get some kind of Adepticon style medallion for that, so people get that kind of as a badge of honor. And then on top of that as well, um, each judge is going to get a kind of a bunch of like a limited edition like enamel badge or like a badge that's with the clash of kings logo and as we go around if we see an army that we just like that we think is cool or they've done something or they've clearly put effort that, that we think is you know it's a mantic army it's a new mantic army they put a lot of effort in um, and we think that's cool they get a badge they get a kind of a clash of kings badge and um and so there'll be uh more of those so there's more to win than just the painting that's award. really cool because there's no ch- i've no uh, absolutely zero chance that's of winning fantastic. the overall because the standard is unbelievable but i i mean i'm about five models short of finishing my 2300 points list that i'm planning may maybe it changes a little bit over time but i am planning on taking this to clash of kings um and i'll be honest i'm i'm really proud of how it looks i'm really happy with how it looks um you know i I put a lot of work into it and for you know for me that's a a really good standard so um i'm i'm looking forward to bringing i'm i'm rather proud of it to be quite honest you know, don't, I don't imagine I'll be winning any awards, but that doesn't matter. That's it, isn't it? And that's, you know, people um, put a lot of love and time into their armies, and I want people to feel like it's worth doing that. Um, and, it's, you know, there's a lot of armies to wander around and look at, but uh, we've got two days to do it, so it's worth doing, I think. I've, I've dropped a Northern Alliance clansman on the floor, and I can't, can't see where he bloody is. Oh, when Just, you build uh, models, it's all so part many of the belts fun, and it? still couldn't, you know, attach itself properly. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I found it. How did it happen? I drop on and, and I go on my, my one of those patterned rugs, and I'll find bits of a miniature on it like months later, and I, they just vanish into a void. There's like a void underneath each hobbyist desk into which bits of miniatures just and you watch them fall, you watch where they land, and then they go whoop, and they just kind of disappear into the void as a tiny portal opens up, and three months later they appear when you're hoovering. Uh, yep, it's, it's like socks in the dryer they just disappear <laughs> right it's the carpet people you know it's a, a terry pratchett book i think one of his first books is the carpet people you not read this one i'm not sure one i've ever read it i never liked my favorite books. Ones. yeah nice. really nice one hey guys we were um yeah actually my tip if you when inevitably you drop a piece of arm or something you're trying to glue together when you're building a model when you drop something on the floor my tip is take a second before you react like just give yourself a moment to think. Hang on a second. Where did that drop? Because I, I I find I find it better if I just give myself a moment just to just to have a little look. You know, don't move your chair. You know, don't do anything crazy. Just give yourself a second. And hey guys, we've talked about it sort of uh, a couple of times over the pod, but we were talking about pet peeves. Um, and one pet peeve I, I've mostly managed to solve was about my own behaviour, and that was um, and and Clem can speak to this. So. Before, what I used to do was just get very overexcited on my turn of Kings of War, 
pick up a model, go to move it, and then claim or whoever would say, no, 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 no. It, you can't move it like that. And I, oh, my humble apologies. Uh, and then I'm holding the model. Oh, uh, where was it, Clem? I don't know. <laughs> so I, I just put down the cheeky little undo button, you know, just a little, just a little market before I move the unit. And I'm getting much better at actually remembering to do that each time now. Just follow the process, Chris. Follow the process. Mm. And it, it does make a big difference because it is, to be honest, it is. I know I'm not a competitive gamer, but if I play against somebody else, it's not really fair to do that to them because it's, you know, it's changing the get the board state. And it, of course, if I play in a tournament when I go to Clash of Kings, it might change something. I mean, it might, you know. Yeah. And so I don't know. That is true. I I kind of have um, something against sloppy play, and it's not necessarily, uh, you know, with bad intentions or something. Um, but you're describing but, me there, Clem. Let's let's not. Be <laughs> no, no, no. Because I am. You're a doing a lot a better now. Player. Yeah. No, I don't know. Or the, um, the one thing that uh, I can think of now is uh, people who pick up good dice or that they roll a bit too fast. Sometimes I I find it a bit annoying, you know. Or like the people. Sometimes people will roll in um in a dice tray that's a bit too tall and you don't see what's going on. Yeah. It's not that no, I don't trust the them. Thing. Who designed these dice trays though? Because they're very pop, they're very common ones. You can't see sitting across the table. You can't actually see into their dice yeah. tray. It's really annoying. Or, or um, the um, you know weird ways of marking damage is a bit annoying because then I don't really remember what's going on on the table. People swear not... by those little thimble things, like so those little sewing whatever they are. I don't even understand what they yeah. are. But you can't see the number on those. Come on, you've got to be able yeah, to see it across counters. the table. Yeah, yeah, stage yeah exactly, for damage counters, Mark. That's what I mean. Thanks, Thanks for, for explaining it, that, Mark. And it's not even a trust issue or anything. It's more, I like to understand what's going on. As and, you're planning uh, your move, you should know, okay, that's eight wounds on that one, four wounds on that one. It should just, It's just common information, common yeah, knowledge, right? You shouldn't yeah. have to... What, I, how many wounds is on that one again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's, there's a bit of this. I guess it's also a personality trait on, on my side, right? Like, uh, for most people, it's probably completely fine in the... When you need to, you could just ask about one thing. But like, for example, I hate, uh, you know, a birthday surprise is like a nightmare scenario for me or something, you know. So in that direction, like not knowing, like, okay, what, how good is the, the role that is going on right now? And I'm not even assuming you're cheating with it, but I want to also see when it's happening, what is happening. So, yeah. so just so they did listen knows, Clem, when is your birthday again? yes absolutely <laughs> no i i have some it's kind of weird like i i like not celebrating it or like on uh yeah it's, i don't know i'm a bit weird in case you hadn't noticed yet but oh come on come in on. We, my we, own we have way. toy soldiers as our as our hobby of course we're weird that's fine but come on if you're not weird you're you know you're kind of boring to you know, absolutely, you know like, yes you know what did you do last night oh i watched something on netflix oh okay right, right. Okay, sure. good, good. People, people with no hobbies, you know. That's I want to make. I'm making sweeping generalizations, but you yeah, know. yeah, that part is a bit sad. Or like uh, working too much and then not having much on the side is a, is a bit sad too. Anyway, so if I understand correctly, just to get back on topic, uh, you're basically done with 2,300 points when the target was 750, right? Yeah, and I'm really Same happy for with how it looks. <laughs> I'm yeah. at 19, uh, whatever 2300 takeaway unit of berserkers is. Uh, 
Yeah. To be honest, Clem, I haven't really done anything in the past month. So, you know, I've been off doing Antari stuff and things like that. Sorry, Mark. I was going to say, Steve, are you using the Northern Alliance for Berserkers? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, with the two-handed weapons, yeah. They look all right. They look good. Yeah, there you go. I was trying to figure out what you were using them for. Yeah, uh, for the um, Fanatics. Fanatics. So, yeah. Yeah, some people aren't that keen on the on those models, the the human clansmen. I absolutely love them. I think they're great, fun like to paint, them a lot easy too. to paint. I think they look awesome. They're too many too many bloody straps. Yeah, you, you know, I've, I've killed I've killed forty different small animals to make this an ensemble to go into battle. There you in. go. Yeah. Well, straps. You want straps? Uh, paint the generic Basilean blah 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 horse. <laughs> oh man, the horses. Oh, those kill me. Oh, there is yeah, there's so, a lot. I'm going to move the conversation on now because it's just going to be people going, yeah, they are bad, aren't they, for the next They're not bad. Minutes. They're lovely. There's just a lot of straps to paint. Yeah. I'm Scott, a.k.a. Palette of War. Welcome to Magic Universe podcast and check out my YouTube and Instagram. Hey there, I'm Brian. <laughs> and I'm Rick. From Dead Zone, the podcast. And you're listening to Mantic Universe podcast. For everything Mantic under the sun. Mark. What will it Brenna. take for you to do a new 2,300 point army from scratch? What would it What would it take? I Retiring. love I love the story of first your thing time. <laughs> That'd be the first thing time. So, so I've actually, yeah, I've actually been thinking about that. Actually, it's like which army would I take up? You know, one of the fun things I find about the 500 pointers or 750s, I really don't get all that worried about list building. Uh, if I'm going 2,300 points, 1995 or something, you know, you want to paint something that's going to mean something when you get up to that level, you know, and uh, painting a decent army and getting a good list and everything else like that. So maybe in the background, that's why I don't crank those out as much as I could. You know, I, I like the lower point armies. It's, you know, not as much of a job to get them done, I guess. But I have been thinking about that lately. So, uh one of the thoughts I have, I was going to do the Rift Forge Orcs for the Countercharge Painting Challenge last year. And for some reason, I painted everything but. I, I have one unit of uh, infantry done. That is it. So, uh, I don't know. I'm thinking Abyssals maybe now because I've got a really simplistic paint scheme that I think I could replicate across an army, which would be good. So, that's what I'm thinking at the moment. But Maybe that's what it would take more so well. time, a simple um, paint scheme that I can, you know, get on with. And uh, that's what I think. I've sort of on the side to doing my Twilight Kin Army and also Antares on the side. I have actually been um, spending a little bit of time on my Rift Forge Orcs, which were, you know, done. But I, I'm just trying to make them look a little bit nicer. And um, it does make a difference, actually. So I'm not I'm keeping all the models on their multi bases. And then I'm just getting the brush and, you know, just trying to make them look a little bit nicer. And um, Steve, I think Steve mentioned a few weeks ago, don't worry about detail on any areas that wouldn't get light. So, you know, think trying to be mindful of that. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. That's that's so that's probably um, going to be the next thing I work on. And then, to be honest, I'll probably go back to my empire of dust and um, just try and make that look, you know, another 30 percent nicer. Mark. I just got to mention, uh, Steve taught me that, or was trying to teach me, I have not mastered it yet, this new painting style with the lighter up and the darker 
lower half. I've kind of Zelenskified it, you know, but uh, it's really cool. Now, I mean, it's really hard for me to think out of the box with that. But, you know, I'm looking at my halflings going, you know, they actually look pretty good. I didn't do a great job on them, but I see where I'm going with that. And so, um, yeah, that's it. Now, the abyssals I'm working on, that's in my classic style. So um, that's why it would be quick. But, yeah, I'm going to have to work on another army and, and try that again. It, it, I don't know if it was speed paint, but I don't know. I want to try it again. So that's all. I think my halflings look pretty good. Oh, I've ordered some. <clears throat> they were on sale. I've ordered, I think, about 10 different types of army painter speed paints because people say they're really, really nice. Um, I'm going to kind of mix them into things and, you know, use them to make glazes and things like that and just have a little play around with them. But, uh, yeah, they should be here in the next couple of days. That's uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, I haven't tried them. The um, one interesting part with armies and also with playing more often, like organizing you now gaming evenings every other week or so, is uh, it kind of makes me question my previous strategy of having basically one army a year sort of like you know 23 was the year of the salamanders for the one event i went to with them new year before was night stalkers and so on and so forth so now i'm like yeah i kind of want to you know more diversity or like play different uh different stuff uh but my army isn't done yet so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a bummer i don't even know what i'm going to take to wasso in in may for example like, I think there's no way my 2300 points of goblins will be ready by then, meaning I guess I will have to take the salamanders, you know, or, uh, you know, dust off the night stalkers that I played uh, the year before. Or the abyss from the year before. Or the abyss from even before. Uh, yeah, and no, so that's uh, that's an interesting side effect of uh, of playing a bit more, you know. But actually, I, th- I think that's really interesting because you're going back to an army you love, you know, and you have great memories with your, your, your army, but it's the rules have changed a little bit. It's a little bit, it's freshened up a little bit. So maybe you can go back to that with a little bit fresh eyes and see how yeah. you do, knowing gobos are on the way, you know, it's cool. That, that could be an interesting thing. Like for me, it feels a bit weird because I'm obviously May is still in quite a while. And so there are still scenarios in which if I push it, I could get the goblins ready in time for uh, Kings of Warsaw. That could actually be a good deadline because this is the main event I'm going to go to this year. Uh, I don't have other plans for um, later in 24 yet. Uh, Like there's one event in Austria that I might go to in the summer. It's not so easy. I think there's one in Germany, and I completely forget when it is. I think I signed up for it, but it may even just be a one-day. I need to double-check about that. But anyway, so... I need to check, yeah. My point is, right now, the the Goblins is more... Because I love Goblins, and I loved the Ascent of the Goblin King. And I thought, okay, 24 is the year for me to make Mantic Goblins. Um, But on the gaming perspective, and like taking them to events and so on, and have kind of something to look forward to, it's still... uh, still a bit open but uh yeah i mean i um my strategy for the the fast map was kind of like to to put all of the tough units like the hard to paint units i demand a bit more work and effort um for uh you know giving me a reason to uh, to move forward with them so once i'm done with my four regiments 
for the 750 points list, uh, I'm, I'm basically good to go for the 2300 point list because I have two hordes, I think, of rebels in that list as it is right now. So, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of uh, kind of still of a open uh, open question, and um, obviously I've I've um, had quite a while without painting at all. Then I was building terrain for the tournament. So yeah, I'm not sure. I'll I'll see how it goes. And um, yes, Mark. Oh, so I just sitting here listening. It all sounds good, and I keep uh, hearing uh, you know Kings of Warsaw. So. You know, it's a, I keep getting all these bucket list trips, you know, that I want to take. So, I mean, yeah, if not this year, next year as well. That's a, that's also an option. Yeah, I'm uh, trying to talk my wife into coming to visit Berlin. So that is also absolutely an option. <laughs> like uh, the door uh, here is wide open. Absolutely. And um, yeah, no, I guess uh, I guess I'll see the other thing, obviously, is uh uh, I still love 10 mil Kings of War, and uh, contractually speaking, I have to talk about it every episode, Chris. Uh, and for this as well, like I'm like, oh, I want to make this army, or hey, I want to make th- that army. And um, yeah, I have to uh, focus a little bit. And now I'm I'm trying to say, okay, I don't paint anything else than the goblins next, um, because I I think it would look bad if I show up to my own events uh, late March with unfinished uh, ambush goblins. I, I completely agree with you, Clem. The only thing I'd say is you've just got a couple of little bits of Antares to do first. That's the only thing I'd say. Maybe. I'll see. I need to uh, ask you for uh, color scheme advice and so on, but that's... Uh... I'm very willing to give it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. But so... And Mark, you were doing abyssals for the fast map, right? I did. I finished them. So I uh, got my abyssals done, 750, finished, done. I have the Night Stalkers up to 500, and they are going to go to 752. I'm going to build, I think, a unit of Reapers so to add into there, and that should take care of it. So Can um, I just say, Mark, I love the Reaper models, and I love painting them. They were so cool. So I've I've got myself an extra box box of Reapers just because I enjoy them, and I think I'll just liber- oh. liberally sprinkle them throughout my Night Stalker unit. Uh, sorry, my uh, Twilight Kin units because I just I just love those models. They're so fun. Right. Well, the nice thing is they have some utility because they can go in the Night Stalkers and they can go in the Twilight Kin. So oh, completely. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why I'm thinking about doing them in troops. And then uh, that way I can throw them, you know, mix and match them with everything. You know, if I need to get a regiment out of them, I'll just throw the two troops together. So, but yeah. At some point, guys, Amazon UK had a pricing error on the Night Stalkers ambush boxes and they had them for £15. So they wouldn't deliver them to Germany. So I just ordered them to my parents' house, and I know I've got three of those ambush boxes waiting for me next time I pick them up. So I got three wow. boxes for the price of one, basically, which is already a phenomenal deal. So that's right. cool. So I'm not sure when I'll get to my parents next, but uh, when for I do... For Christmas? I'll... Yeah, in June. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Christmas in June, right? Because you have cool. three boxes already. I yeah, need I him to it's... do that with Northern Alliance because, you know, with all those frost claws I need, you know, that would be great. 
that's yeah, again that's on the to-do list as well at some point i'll because i don't have any of the fancy new northern alliance arm uh, models it was my first kings of war army when third edition dropped so yeah at some point i'll pick up probably about roughly three ambush boxes to get the new models then and, and then i'll use that as an excuse to just well maybe i tidy it up a little bit as well because i think it's aged pretty well all things considered it was the first rank and flank army i ever painted it doesn't look as bad as you might think but i i could make it look a lot nicer with a bit of work you know yeah i mean also the newer units uh, bring something interesting to the list so yeah if you get also the 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 two-player starter, like the updated version of it, is a pretty good content. I, I basically got myself one uh, for both of these factions as well. And um, yeah, I mean, a few ambush boxes and, and you're you're all set to expand uh, on there. That's pretty good. Nice. So it's been, I mean, it's been very satisfying, to be honest, Clem, in, in as much as both of us have had a lot of regular game time locally, right? It's been really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to figure out exactly a recipe for it because um, locally I'm still kind of the agitator, if that makes sense. Um, like it's yes. still sort of revolving around me pushing, hey guys, let's meet up next Wednesday, like next week Wednesday, who can come to the shop or to the club here, or hey, in two weeks Friday, and so on and so forth. So I'm still kind of trying to find my, you know, cruise control, lower effort um, organization to make it happen. Um, sadly, there, I think life happens, and so it's hard to, you know, have, hey, every Friday or every other Friday, we always do this, and, you know, you just show up and someone will be there playing. Um, That's for down the road, though, Clem, isn't it? That's, you know, maybe. maybe well, yeah, well, when I retire, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> not even then um, if you can build the community to let's say 15 people right then that's it's realistic then you could have a night of the week that even if only four people turn up consistently that people can be confident of getting a game in right you'd yeah. you know, you've got to grow the community a little bit bigger before that so yeah no that's a good point although i think there might be something about here because as far as i know this doesn't exist even for 40k, right? Like, uh, that's still just not how people around me here organize their games and so on. So I don't know. Maybe it's just. Um, and personally, I'm I'm also not certain I would want to have. Oh, it's only on the Friday or something like this that you show up and you go play from, you know, six to eleven or something. So I don't know. Um, obviously, the the group that we have locally now is. Uh, it's growing, it's bigger, it's relatively healthy, I think. And like people are also, you know, helping organize and they help for the tournament and they want to help for the next one. Um, so yeah, I'm not even complaining. It's it's more I'm still myself trying to figure out exactly what I want out of this and how to uh, how to make it happen, you know. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's kind of a progress though uh, compared to a year ago, I think. Absolutely, uh, to get back to what you were saying. And for the next event, Clem, do you think you'll stay in small scale or do you think you will jump around a bit? So I think I want to have different classes of events, right? Uh, obviously, the next two events are not small scale, like they're 28 mil, uh, one for ambush, one for sci-fi. Uh, these are not tournaments, though. Like uh, 
I at least not the way things are planned for now. It's more an open gaming day and a bit free for all, whatever you want to play. Uh, the space is here and uh, you know that people will show up and so you show up as well and then you'll get games in. Um, I think I will definitely do another 10 mil tournament sometime later in the year. Not sure when. Uh, but I think I also want to do a 20... Uh, so what did I say? A 10 mil uh, Kings of War tournament, but I also want to do a 28 mil one. Um, because I I think a lot of people are just looking forward to having one. It's just uh, some idiot has to organize it and go through the pain of making it happen. And so I I think I'll, I'll, uh, I'll just be that idiot and, uh, and, and do it, you know? Yeah, and you t- you know t- to be honest, buddy, you know you've got a lot on, and you don't have to do this forever. So if you can do this for six months, twelve months, if if at that point, and to be honest, I could imagine you actually really enjoying it. But if there's a point you're like, ah, do you know what? I'm, I've had enough of this now. By that point, you've built a community, and almost certainly you'll have someone who you say, yeah, you know, I've kind of I've done my bit. I just want to be a player now i just want to enjoy you know we've built this community but i just want to play now i'm sure somebody else will be there to go hey i'll, I'll give it a go you know come you've done your part yeah. oh I'm, I'm i'm absolutely sure uh like last weekend for example uh some of the players uh told me hey do you want to take over for one of the rounds like play my army or like enter like play your armies uh because i was you know the the ringer uh, for the event I said, you know what? No, I'm I'm actually happy, you know, to go between tables and have chats with people, especially because there were a lot of newcomers and like new players, and so I, part of it also kind of felt like doing a demo or almost or like creating a um, an occasion for people to get more into the game, and that part is enjoying uh, enjoyable for me as well. Um, at some point, I also just uh, took my laptop and I uh, worked a little bit on. Um, uh, some fan-made rules I'm thinking about, um, uh, you know. So I, I also had a great gaming day, even though I did not play a single game the whole day. For me, it was still an enjoyable gaming experience. Um, yeah, and I think as soon as it becomes like a annoying thing or, you know, I, I will probably just stop or like uh, tell the others, hey, can someone take over on this or maybe just for the next one or something like this. But uh, yes, for now, for now, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So yeah. Yeah, I imagine if it got political somehow or something like that, then it would. Oh, that that wouldn't necessarily be fun. But it's probably yeah, I mean, a very important part of growing the community, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so uh, we've had uh, also some uh, some chats about it um, uh, before recording. The, um, I'm trying also to uh, start a board game night at work. So it's it's kind of. Uh, it's not just my company, it's like a big co-working space, uh, so to speak. And um, so the organizers there were super happy with the idea and they support it. And so we've, we've done a couple of events uh, so far. And um, sadly, there's been one kind of toxic guy. Uh, don't want to say too much about it, but so that's potentially one thing that would be a bit harder uh, to get along with if it happened for the, the Kings of War gaming group, although it's a different context. And so if now a new player would join and had toxic behavior, I think I wouldn't have to do much. Like they would be filtered out by the rest of the group. 
because there's kind of already an established community of you know uh, kind players I, w- I would say or like pe- people are really here to have a good time and supportive of each other um, like the precedent really, is already set isn't it I think yeah. so yeah I think it really sets the mood you know and then if someone comes in with a very toxic uh, approach to gaming or like making shitty sexist comments all the time or whatever it is, like whatever way they they uh, choose to be toxic, or maybe they took they tick all of those boxes, like the the guy had a board game night. Well, these people they don't stay around for very long, you know, like they just don't find a grip and then they they move along and then and then you're you're fine. Um, but yeah, if for whatever reason the mood would sour a little bit, I guess that would be maybe for me a reason to just go. Uh, play something else a little bit or focus more on painting instead of uh, you know organizing more events and and so on um but i don't know yeah it's uh i guess it's it's a hobby after all so as long as i enjoy doing it uh one way or another then it's uh, it's doing its mission you know i do i do feel it's a real can of worms and i I don't think we, we we could do it quite yet but i think it would be a real topic of the month of you know how the you know the conversation around well how do you deal with toxic people who come in you know i think it is a very universal and interesting topic that is just full of problems right (laughs) yeah i think for me at least a very short answer to this is uh, be pretty clear about what you what kind of environment you expect and like what is uh, tolerated and what isn't in a way and um i don't know like and i'm not even saying like my way of uh, doing things is better and someone who comes in and i think have a toxic approach to it is wrong about it it's just i don't want to have these type of behavior around my hobby and so you're completely free to behave that way and do these type of things elsewhere like go and create your own club and bring in all of the people that find your your jokes funny or your way of playing the games interesting. I don't, so I have zero desire to uh, keep doing that with you, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I think it's uh, it's always a bit hard because it's a group effort. Like, you have to agree with other people what is the identity and how do you want to uh, kind of handle things. Um, but, yeah, I have the feeling that... Uh, Ultimately, it can sort itself out relatively easily um, if everyone kind of does the effort of uh, being mindful about what they really want and what is actually okay for them. Because um, well, I've seen it in other hobbies, right? It, it can happen that you don't realize it. Like it's kind of like the frog in in the, in the boiling, like the warming up water uh, kind of uh, situation. Like you don't realize necessarily that you don't enjoy it anymore. Or like maybe the mood has changed a little bit or like things or you have changed yourself and like some stuff that you enjoyed previously now you find more offensive or not fun at all or not enjoyable at all and so i think it's a healthy thing to do with your hobby and i would argue anything in life is sometimes to you know take a step back and have a hard think about why am i doing this do I enjoy it? Do I want to do it slightly differently? Is there something else I could do about it? Um, yeah, and I, and I think it's also it's also good to talk about it with friends or maybe uh, if it becomes a more 
crisis situation to talk about it with professionals also if you need to you know um clear some things out and like figure out what what it is that you actually want or what makes you happy what makes you unhappy and so on and uh yeah so i, I think uh and for my my own hobby that's also i try to do this every now and then like sit down and think okay which project do i want to work on now um what what is making me happy well i really don't feel like painting these days well then i won't paint and that's it you know or maybe i will think a bit more why do i not feel like painting well because i don't feel so good in general about other things or i'm too tired because i work too much whatever it is but uh yeah i think that's uh that's a good approach to this good strategy and i said shortly and i talked for 10 minutes <laughs> no problem. Mark, what do you think about that? Well, you know, it's always good to, you know, take a look at the, the old mental health standpoint of it and enjoying your hobby. So, and, you know, part of it with toxic people and stuff, it's really, boy, it's really situation dependent. We we had that happen with one of our D&D games and it actually ended up breaking up. Uh, you know, that was the only way we could resolve it. And, you know, which was sad. But in some cases, we, you know, we've been able to pull the person aside and chat with them and get them back into the groove. And, uh, you know, and it, it's a hard conversation. You really got to really got to steal it. Uh, and Mark, you know, sorry, in that, in that situation, Mark, were the was the person, the individual you're talking about, were they surprised that, you know, you, you had these thoughts? You know, was it were they were they kind of aware of their behavior, if that makes sense? Which one? The ones we pulled aside or the game that broke up? The person who was pulled aside and you said, you know, just be a little bit aware of how your behavior impacts everybody else. Were they? Because it may well be a situation where the person isn't aware of it, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah, it, it goes both ways. Uh, we had one get totally upset and storm off and you know, that was bad. And then, you know, we've had other people that have said, Hey, thank, you know, thank you very much. You know, I really appreciate that. And a lot of times, you know, the people that say, hey, thanks, I really appreciate that are, you know, we run into at conventions and stuff like that, you know, because, you know, people will kind of like glom on, you know, kind of like get a pack of people that are playing the same game over and over, you know, uh, not the same game over and over, but just playing games together over and over and over again as you pull them out of the library. And, uh, you know, I mean, you got to talk sometimes, you know, or, uh you know, I the one thing I always try to do is to make sure that I try not to set up a situation that's going to be inflammatory or that I think is going to blow up and, uh, you know, really cause hurt feelings and things like that. So it's it's difficult to do. Nobody ever wants to be into that uh, situation where you've got to have that conversation. Nobody does. But, you know, sometimes you got to have it, you know. In the one case where we had the D&D game break up, we just you know, came up with every excuse and just, we just spiked the game, you know, we just killed it off. And, you know, we really didn't want to have that confrontation. And, you know, I, and quite frankly, that was the last scheduled D&D &D game I've had 
So we, we killed that it? one off. Oh, no, and, Mark. Uh, That's it. Was it literally the, yeah. the, 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 the manager just said, um, oh, and the volcano explodes and kills all of yeah. us. Wait, there was a volcano? <laughs> Sadly, it wasn't even that. We just, everybody came up with excuses on why they couldn't play. And, uh, you know, it just kind of faded away. And it was very and then sad. And we don't schedule we the next chance. one. And the one after also oh, doesn't I, happen. Yeah. I hope we don't have any yeah. dear listeners who, who hear this and go, wait a second second two years ago i was in the games group <laughs> suddenly little johnny had music lessons and he couldn't make it hang on a second yeah well you know that's one option if you don't want to have the uh confrontation so you know we like i said we we had it that situation and we thought that was the best way to handle it so it's but. awkward as well particularly if you play in a gaming group or a, a, a shop or something where you know you're going to have to keep seeing these people again it's not really breaking up you know it's, uh, oh yeah that's tough i mean uh we did have that a couple times at our local shop and you know sadly one of the good responses is you just go somewhere else or you know um you know if you don't want to have that confrontation so um yeah it's tough nobody wants to do it so uh, i guess there are different scenarios right like um yeah, they're all different every situation's different there is no stock answer so and- also, what I what I mean is, for some people, so first of all, there are different ways to approach it, and like uh, getting to the topic. But um, I guess some people will get very defensive, or uh, you know, be uh, double down on on something. Um, or some people are like, oh gosh, thank you for mentioning it. Like I didn't realize it, or. Uh, you know uh, the kind of person who would apologize and say oh, i'm really sorry do you know what i've had a, a stressful day I, I didn't i wasn't aware i was doing it i'm sorry thank you for telling me that sort of person to me feels utterly redeemable where right you but, know they're, they're willing they're willing to kind of modify their behavior or there's yeah. there seems like hope there do you know what i mean whereas the other alternative yeah, is they're kind of antagonizing people on purpose that does definitely happen but i Some think people this- are like that this also depends on how you approach it and what the issue is. I think I've I've had the situation as well where how can I say this? There's not really a comment to be made or like um, hey please change this. It's more you realize that you've grown apart in a way or like people you were okay hanging out with um, for some time after six months, two years, whatever you realize well now you're not so much on the same wavelength anymore. And so there's not so much of a talk to be had, right? Like, uh, hey, you, you've grown in a different way, or hey, now I'm I'm um, I'm interested in other things, or I see things differently, and so let's stop hanging out or something. Like this. It just kind of dwindles because you know you just grow apart, uh, further apart in in a way. So I don't know. You don't necessarily have to have this discussion. I think it's it's more you have to be, you know, self-aware and. Um, Maybe sometimes you can indirectly also have some sort of these discussions and figure out where the other person stands, especially if it's someone you actually have been playing with for a while. Um, And I think on the other end of the spectrum, if it's someone you don't really know so well and you just kind of met up with them and played a couple of games and both times it was a really meh experience, I kind of want to say you don't really owe them anything. In the sense that, I mean, you know, basic uh, niceness, you know, like stay polite and not say, oh, I think you suck in the way you play or your your mouth stink, please brush your teeth. 
obviously that that won't work right but uh i don't know if you realize well the way they enjoy the game is not for me i'm not sure there's a point in trying to go talk to them and say hey please play differently otherwise i won't play no, with that's you a, that's a great point clem and and there are probably a number of people i've played one game with and it just hasn't gone any further than that and it's it's you know and and the other thing to probably mention is that um this is probably a two-way street you know for you know so we're kind of focusing on the other person we're playing with well maybe in those situations you know if we had the the hypothetical other person on this pod with us maybe they'd say hang on a second chris but you you know you did such and such and that was a weird thing to do and that's so there's there's almost certainly there's some back and forth on this right yeah absolutely like it's it's not at all on them on on the other person that the issue uh lies like it's it's just in this relationship or the way things go just doesn't work for you one way or another and so yeah you just have to think a bit about it and see if you want to salvage it or try to transform it if it's if, if it's even worth it or or possible right because it could be some very basic things or some things that can be discussed and some others is just like i don't think it's worth it right like uh um i don't know i don't think i want to be the one telling someone hey please shower more often before you can play because it's just hard to be in the same room with you for two hours you know like uh if it was a friend uh that, that i know from something else uh and it's a relationship i want to maintain then maybe otherwise i don't really feel i'm in a situation to uh have this type of uh comment i don't know like, then uh, i guess you it depends on every situation like if you, maybe you see there's something else going on maybe you might want to support someone i don't know but and again if it's someone that just has poor behaviors like yeah I don't yeah. owe you my time, and uh, I don't. Uh, I don't have to put any efforts to make you a better person. And it's also according to my definition. You probably don't even want any of this. But very, very brief anecdote, avoiding any specifics. But before I came to Germany, I was in a kind of a board game card game club, right in the in the town I was living in, and uh, there was a always a guy who was, oh, let's just say, off, right, just not fun to play with, you know, uh, difficult. Uh, and uh, after I'd been there a little while, I got really friendly with another couple of guys, and um, we just sort of we were playing a game around one of their houses, and I I just kind of mentioned this guy and said, "Is it just me? Or is it a little bit off?" And they they kind of all you know even their wives were like laughing, you know, had a big laugh and said, "Are you kidding me? That guy's <laughs> just oh god." There's a reason we all show show up late, you know, it's to to make sure guarantee we're not playing with this guy and they'd even they basically turned his and it's a bit mean they turned his name into a kind of like a a made-up verb which was like if you're playing a game and you you want to be a screw someone else over okay i'm i'm about be careful because i'm about to eh, you now. yes and they'd all laugh and it was but it was trying to make because actually it was bad like this was a you know it wasn't it wasn't just a subtle someone who's not brilliant with social skills it wasn't i mean kind of you know before the pod and i don't want to go into it but you you were talking about someone in particular and it's similar things just uh, uh, and not someone who is not positive and supportive etc and maybe we can leave it at that uh, but but actually this having this while it's a little bit mean to talk about someone behind their back actually this really broke the tension in as much as it made it into a little bit of almost fun of it 
because it's something that really could have destroyed the the gaming club, to be honest. But instead, it was kind of all a bit of a joke. And so it's, I, I wonder if it's, it's seeing the positive of that, because no no one could have no one had the power to get rid of this individual. It was never going to happen. So um, yeah, you can have to deal with it in exactly a, way, I guess, a, a right? way of dealing with the situation exactly yeah. as best as people can. And it was it was really funny. I'll be honest, it was really really funny. Just finding out there was this kind of secret society of you know, and it was all like the cool the cool people that I'd you know go for a beer with kind of thing. You know, there you go. Some of those situations, uh, your shop owner, if you're playing in the shop, is going to be the great equalizer. So particularly, you mentioned the body odor problem and stuff like that. You know, I mean, it's their business. They don't want their business being harmed and. So that's another option is to talk to them and, you know, see, and they usually don't have a real problem having that conversation. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's that's a, another it's a option neutral for them. Yeah, yeah it's, very it's neutral. Not, it's, it's not, not you. Personal level. Yeah. Yes. So, Clem, we have someone on the call who used to be a shop owner. So, Mark, come on, talk to us. Did you ever did you ever have to step in as the as the shop owner and have these kinds of conversations? Sadly, twice. Yes. So, um, you know, uh, one was a body odor problem and one was a uh, play style problem. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, they're very unpleasant, uh, you know, conversations to have. You know, unfortunately, the result of my body odor uh, conversation didn't come back to the shop ever. And uh, so, you know, you lose a customer, but the other customers were very happy about that. Uh, And so, you know, that kind of compensated for that. You know, I mean, they they kept buying and kept showing up to the things. And uh, the other situation, you know, we had uh, the guy was really enjoying kicking the crap out of the kids that were trying to learn how to play the game. It's like, dude, you do not have to win that bad, do you? You really got to beat up middle school kids on the table. And, uh, you know, and uh, fortunately, that conversation turned around a little more positive at the end. And uh, actually, he became you know, pretty good guy that, uh, you know, would help the kids as opposed to kick the, you know, blank out oh, of them that's all great. over the table. So, uh, you know, kind of more like the Grinch, you know, his heart grew 10 times too large and, uh, you know, it worked out pretty good from that standpoint. So I've had him go good and bad, but you know, they're not fun conversations. This is, this entirely. is honestly stuff nobody wants to do. No, do of course deal with. So it's entirely possible that that individual had never really thought about it. And probably they were, when they were shown the game and everything, they had a very competitive, you know, get good scrub kind of a, attitude you know or they were raised in that kind of culture and environment which is just very unforgiving and not a not a supportive one it's very unlikely they just they they just like you know smashing children at at a tabletop game that they're supposed to be introducing to you know it's just like how are they going to get good if i don't you know if they don't learn by getting their faces pushed in and it's like dude they're not going to play anymore if you keep doing that you know it's like this is not fun for them yeah. yeah, I mean, it's fun, but, you know, and you don't necessarily have to let the Wookiee win, but you just don't dismantle them and, you know, just kind of like get get off on it. You know, it's just like, you know, they view you as laughing as they're you're destroying them. And it's like, that's no fun. You know, they have fun playing their friends and they like to paint and stuff. And if you want this hobby to grow, you know, you don't do that. And uh, fortunately, I you know, that turned around and, uh, everything worked a lot better, but, uh, 
again, never a situation you want to be in. You just hope everybody kind of flies straight, but uh, it doesn't always happen. But uh, yeah, difficult I mean, situation. This uh, is kind of the common saying, right? Like uh, if you don't think your neighbors are loud, it means you probably are the loud neighbor, you know? And uh, so my wife and I, we would tend, I think, to be the loud neighbors. So we always try, but we know about it. Like if we are not careful that we would end up uh, uh, being not so mindful of the noise we make and so on. And um, I, I think that's something you have to know about yourself and try to be a bit proactive. And then we, we try to go around and, and tell people or tell the neighbors always, hey, please, um, because it's very easy, you know, like you, you watch a movie or you listen to music and you don't think it's at a crazy level, but actually it's too loud for the neighbor, you know. And maybe the, the neighbor don't want to be uh, too annoying. And so they just take take it on, take it on, take it on. And they never say anything. But they, you know, just um, the bitterness uh, would grow. Uh, and so that's why we try to always make it very clear. Please, at any time, if there's anything, uh, just send us a message. Like we always give, you know, phone numbers uh, and so on. And so, yeah, I guess in, in some situations it's... Uh, it's really easy to be oblivious to what you do that is annoying to others. Um, and uh, maybe if you are try to be more proactive about it, or if you, if you see something that is annoying to you, maybe you can progressively try to hint at it and uh, not just keep it inside and just grow angry ab about it, is what I'm saying. But again, Clem, you're creating that culture where communication is, is expected, you know? It's a, right, it's a great point. No, but I think it's uh, it, it also applies in um, in other social contexts, for example, in a gaming group, right? Definitely like, does. Or um, same thing for the, for the tournament. Like, you know, in this, the tiny speech at the start, I also try to, you know, set the rules, uh, like the social rules, uh, a bit more uh, explicitly forward and try to create a, uh, an environment where you, you can have this type of discussions or like where people hopefully will come to you and, and uh, tell you if there's anything wrong. Um, yeah, and, and I think it kind of goes in this direction. And again, every situation is different. Um, so good luck figuring out what works. So, exactly, well done, guys. Exactly. So we've not only found a topic of the month, but we've also just spontaneously grafted it into uh, <laughs> another part of the pod so well done well done guys but it's I mean it's a topic you know we've not solved anything but I think it's interesting to have the conversation and I think uh, I think it's important it's as awkward as it is and difficult as it is and problematic as it is I think it's something we all experience from time to time we're very very lucky in Mantic that it is such a lovely supportive environment but of course we want to be very protective of that um, to, to make sure it stays that way because it would only take a, a one or two bad apples to, uh, you know, to, to, to cause issues. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, but it's, I think uh, it's, it's also an important job as part of the community animator, like when you try to grow a community to be yourself a bit more explicit and forward with what are the rules and what are the conventions that the, the group kind of takes for granted uh, and kind of what is accepted, what isn't. I think, and I think it's important to set the tone for it. Uh, and in a way, you get the um, the, the power to decide uh, because you are doing the work to create the community. So you do get to set the rules. And maybe your rules are everyone must uh, 
uh, tattoo uh, button their forehead, then no one will join your group. No, no, but the rules. Right? The, the crucial point is the rules are for the good and the health of the community. And but whatever that means, right? Like maybe there are different ways to do it. Like I have my own version of what I think is a healthy and enjoyable environment. Maybe other people might slightly disagree with my version of it, or maybe would also allow some stuff that for me are not so good or I don't enjoy so much, for example, uh, that I might be neutral. One example is drinking, for example. Uh, this is kind of just a side comment. There was uh, one newcomer on, on Fanatics who said, hey, I'm about to go to my first tournament or whatever it was. I don't even remember exactly. And people gave tons of very good uh, advice, good comments and so on. And someone in passing said, oh, and bring a good liver. And to me, it's it's not a great comment because I uh, I have hel- I have a bad liver and so I can drink very limited amount of alcohol. Turns out, so it's a bit stupid, you know. But it, to me, it's like, mm, is it really needed? Like, no, you can also go to a tournament or play games and not necessarily drink alcohol and still have a good time. And so I won't go around and say, hey, you shouldn't drink when you go to a tournament or whatever. I do whatever you want, you know. It's just, uh, I think there are some things like this. uh, It's more, you get to set the mood. And uh, when you create a community or a local group or when you do an event, you can kind of choose a little bit of the culture that you want to have there. And then you cultivate the culture, right? Like communicate about it and then cultivate it. This is Rob Fnuff from the Countercharge Podcast, and you're listening to the Mantic Universe Podcast. Yeah, everybody's got to be flexible. So, you know, um, you know, not everybody's going to drink. And, you know, then again, there's going to be a ton of people that are going to drink. And so, you know, some yeah. people are going to like eating fried fish and some people aren't going to like eating fried fish. So, right. Yeah, I mean, you if know, there's I mean, space for everyone, it's, it's fine. I'll, I'll give you another kind of dumb anecdote, but I went to a work retreat a month ago or something. And the plan was, let's have dinner and then open bar and very loud music. It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go. It's like the Germany-wide event, like company event. I'm like, yeah, I'm happy to take a train and go to the other location and meet the you know the whole company and so on. But to me, it absolutely does not sound like a fun, ev- a fun evening to drink lots of alcohol and have loud music. Please give me another room where I can play Mario Kart with my colleagues uh, while eating peanuts or chatting about, I don't know, like, where's the nerd space in the, in this? You know, like, uh, do you mean the only employees you want is the one who gets uh, blackout drunk uh, while dancing? It's, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, it's kind of a missed opportunity in a way. And for gaming, it's a bit more focused, right? Like, we are here potentially to play games, I guess. So you can narrow it down a little bit more. But it's still, I think, important. Like, you could play games just because... Uh, you want to train for the world championship of whatever, or you could play games because you want to recreate whichever World War II battle, or you could play games because you have cool painted miniatures and you want to roll some dice and that's it. Whatever it is that you're actually interested in, you need to make this known to the other participants and whoever also likes it then will join and people who don't like this particular aspect or are not so interested will stay home on that day. Again, it's about communicating your intent and making it clear so that people who also like the same things will find you and join you.
Super. So I think we can call that our topic of the month, guys. I think it's fair to say. Pretty much. So yeah. let's just do very, very quickly then, guys, if you're okay with it. So we've got Panelor, and I don't want to skip Panelor because we've skipped it recently, but let's just very, very briefly. So um, we've got here um, as part of the Epic War Path Law. It does. See, it's a lovely idea to do just something quick on that. Um, and uh, part one is talking about the Death Arc. And we've got here written in the notes, Death Arc, Asterians more serious than humans in fighting the plague. So anyone that doesn't know, the Death Arc is a very, very cool thing. But the uh, the uh, Asterians, they call it the Silent Lands. So I'm just going to read out here just the, the very quick sentence uh, from the, uh, the Kickstarter page. And so this is update number eight, day six. Oh, Captain, my captain. So Epic Warpath Law, part one, the Death Arc. Around the, so quote, around the GCPS's western border of fourth and fifth spheres, uh, sphere worlds lies a region of space known to corporate navigators as the Death Arc and as the Silent Lands to the Asterians. Travel here is expressly forbidden. Standard nav comps do not even register any celestial bodies being there at all. And the Ark is guarded by a special division of the Enforcer Corps known as the Long Patrol, which is a very, very cool name, by the way. So, guys, why? So we know that the Death Arc was a, a section of space. The plague got out and everything in there was basically eradicated. So the, within the Death Arc, there's still cities, but they're all completely vacant. So. We know the enforcers patrol it to ostensibly to keep the plague in. And I think there's a lot of truth in that because there are artifacts in there that do cause the plague. But I think, Clem, it's pretty clear why the Asterians seem to take it more seriously than the enforcers. I I don't know. So, first of all, one thing I want to say is it kind of goes against my own slowly built canon where the Asterians are the bad guys. Because there's a part of my head somewhere that wants to say the Asterians are kind of the cause of the plague and like they're playing like a really multi-level game on this and uh, like um, I don't know because when you think about it the only thing that really stops the the GCPS and the enforcers is is the plague like this is the existential threat uh, in the universe that's the number one and so I don't know, like I kind of want to see the Asterians as the bad guys, is, is what I'm saying. But when I when I read this piece of uh, this piece of fluff, kind of makes me think, well, maybe actually no, Doc, uh, it's just they have more experience fighting it or being exposed to it, and so they uh, they take it more seriously. But there's still a big question mark for me somehow, because why would the Asterians care so much about if the GCPS gets plagued or not? So uh, because they because they they love the uh, well. Sorry, you could interpret it as saying that they're obsessed with this, this idea of balance. But I think, I think honestly, the, the Asterians seem to be taking it more seriously than the GCPS because there's a load of valuable stuff in the Death Art Clem. And the GCPS, if we know one thing about them, they, you know, the, the, the profits of what's in their technology, resources, whatever is going to that's going to well outweigh any potential risks of a plague outbreak you know they're they're going to be you know running the um yeah they're just reckless and send some some poor souls and be plagued and uh, still profit from it yeah but then again what's the matter from an Assyrian's perspective uh if like some gcps worlds gets plagued well because I, i i think that's the when the ball starts rolling with the plague it's not going to be some worlds it's 
you know it's the contagion of you know like um you know if we talk about the, the you know the the first world war this idea that german the germans actually put lenin on a train and you know germany was one of the most conservative countries in the world at the time but they were so desperate to undermine the russian government which was also very right-wing authoritarian they put that you know their bitterest enemy really on the train from switzerland and let him pass through almost the length of germany to get him up to russia so he could you know starting i think dan carlin described it as yeah. starting a fire in your neighbor's kitchen so you know yeah, once so, but the contagion is not going to stop when well, you want it to you know that's super irresponsible right are the um, I'm not even sure in the Warpath universe how integrated societies are. Like, do you find Asterians on the GCPS worlds and vice versa, and Forge Fathers and and so on? So not not so much not overtly. Right? I mean, there are, there are yes, there there are some, but not not super super overtly. The GCPS I think doesn't like the idea that people know. Um, it's a bit like so. For example. They don't want anyone to know the Forge Fathers are making kit for the Enforcers. Like that's a very guarded secret. They don't want anyone to know that. And there's probably a lot of um, probably secret deals they've got with the Asterians as well. I suspect below the surface, the GCPS is actually an awful lot more dependent on the Asterians and the Enforcers, well, definitely the Forge Fathers, than they'd like anyone to know or they'd like to admit. Um so I suspect those, you know, that the capitalism runs deep, right? They've got, I think they've got there for, for good and for bad. I think they probably got their hooks into many things that they don't talk about. But it's, because um, I think, wasn't Rob Berman talking about writing a short story, at least of a Forge Father, pri- kind of like a, almost like a Decker from Blade Runner, you know, like a private investigator set within the GCPS? So Yeah, I think so. So, Yes, it's not entirely separated and so on, but my impression would be that they, like the commercial exchanges, for example, are fairly limited or at least very well delimited. Like maybe there are some military contracts or some very specific deals or like peace treaties or peace treaties uh, or something like this. But uh, I don't see them working too closely together so i don't know like i'm still trying to figure out exactly how the asterians are you know involved in the whole thing and um there they are indeed mysterious you know what i mean they are and i think i think firstly i think it's interesting that they're mysterious because i agree with you clem you could interpret that one of two ways at least right um are they responsible for the plague is it all their fault are they the bad guys but you could read it the other way as well. And I think we just need more law and more stuff on it. Um, I suspect they are. So what I would like to happen is it's a very gray area of, you know, are they behind the plague? Yeah, kind of, but it's a bit more complicated than that, you know, and um, maybe they, so I'd like it to be something, if I'm honest, I'd like it to be something like, um, the Asterians were fighting, you know, a long, long time ago, Asterians were fighting against somebody else who developed this biological weapon, like, you know, very long time ago. Um, and the Asterians at great cost, you know, a huge amount of their empire was wiped out 
fighting against these guys, but they won this terrible war. But now they're, le- they're left with, in possession of this terrible weapon that maybe they can control and maybe they can't. Something right. like that. Or it could be also, you know, something like um, uh, like a byproduct or like a waste from something that they've done millennia ago. Like they've done some uh, genetic engineering or whatever on themselves or like to solve whatever societal issue, like resource issues. And the plague was kind of a tool in bits or you would you would say like um, like nuclear waste, you know, something like, like imagine mankind in in 20,000 years if we're still around and uh, the, the nuclear waste, like the long life nuclear waste that we have now might be something that um, mankind in, in 20,000 years have a completely different view on. You know, yeah. Or maybe, so maybe maybe there's a kind of a parallel to this. Like, yeah, the Australians are half the cause and half have suffered from it. And yeah, so they, they kind of want to block the humans from touching it too much or suffer from the same consequences. You know, I, I think I agree with you with the fact that I think it's very interesting that it is a gray area, and I don't want to have oh this is the canon, this is precisely how it's defined forever, and you can't have it any other way. Because it, it would be a bit boring, but yeah, I think it's very, very rich and. Uh... And also, Clem, like the real world is messy, right? So if we think about, like, you know, for example, the I think I mentioned on the pod before, right, the conquistadors who went to Central America, a lot of those guys were horrible people who were out for themselves, but there were also a lot of people who were almost naively. Um, try, you know, try and help the locals. I mean, the fact that genocide happened and disease and everything like this, it was a total disaster for them. But there were genuinely people who thought they were doing the right thing, you know, to help yes. these people. So, so maybe I think it in could general, be some Mysterians think, you know, yeah, it could be a bit, bit of both, you know? Yeah, I think in general, not many people actively see themselves as the bad guy, right? I think this is almost never the case. It's just all the protagonist com- of our own story, right? I mean, right. of course, even, and you know, getting dark now, but even, of course, Adolf Hitler, he, of course, he did not see himself as the bad guy. He was saving Germany, right? As, yeah, as disgusting as that is. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, uh, so it, it's, that's, I think that's why I don't like the, you know, in the traditional lore stuff in Kings of War, for example, when there's evil and good and neutral because I don't really believe in that. I no, think we don't. It's, like, we it's, don't like, it's, it's, it's kind it's, of a simplistic way. It, and, it is um, simpl- super simplistic, yeah. And I think no evil faction actually sees themselves as evil, or when they do, it's a very, you know, comical like I'm the bad skeleton master, or whatever, <laughs> or like in like B series or, or worse. Uh, and I, I don't think that those tell very interesting stories. But anyway, so to get back to the epic warpath stuff. Um, I feel like there are tons of stories to be told, and um, I had a bit of a worry, like a couple episodes ago, I think, like how does uh, the Warpath universe and like firefight scale to larger conflicts? And uh, I think I'm I'm starting to see it a bit more now. Also, because even though 10 mil on six by four is a lot more real estate, it's still not like planetary fights. You know, so you could tell almost the same stories with epic firefight, uh, epic warpath. Sorry, than you do as you do with firefight. firefight. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, you have a bit more room for it, but it's not fundamentally different. It's not like a space fight 
versus the squad based fights. Um, but yeah, I I think Mark, you mentioned uh, there are no plans right now to have a novel come out at the same time as the game comes out in about a year. But I I really uh, wish some authors would uh, you know jump into the Warpath universe and uh, write some cool some cool stories for us. I just love yeah. Rob Berman to write that story with the the gumshoe private detective. I'd love that. Sorry, Mark. I was just going to say that uh, right now Mantic is pushing on the Kickstarter that you can go download the Warpath lore for free from the Mantic website. So that's what they're pushing as lore at the moment. And, you know, that's it's the point. overall. Yeah, it's the overall. I mean, it's the same it's universe. So, yeah. No, no, no. It's a good starting point. What I'm saying is, um, so people say all the time, oh, there's no lore in, in Mantic games. I disagree. Like, there's tons of it, and I think it's great. And also people say, oh, I love 40K lore. I, I find it quite boring. Like, I, I've never read an actual 40K book, but I don't really have any interest in doing so, I guess. I don't know. Like, the what I see from the outside doesn't make me think, oh, I definitely want to read a story about it. You know, it's like skulls and this war always everywhere. So, sorry, Clem, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. I just want to interject a little bit. The the um, increased uh, focus on law for Mantic, uh, for Mantic, is it too early to say maybe Andy's has a hand in that? Or do you think, I mean, he's only been in the job a month. I, I don't knows? know. Yeah, I don't know. I think a little it's been early. A process. It's, it's been a process, right? Like uh, we've come from Mentica to Panithor, and that wasn't a month ago. Uh, so, and, and, and I think there it's still a, a journey, right? Like there's still more for them to write and structure and so on. But I guess my whole point is, We've talked about it so many times. I loved Rob's short story in the Warpath universe, like the Dead Zone story. I thought it was very cool, very thematic. And I just want to read the full book of that stuff. You know what I mean? Me too. Completely agree. And I feel the whole universe with the plague and the mysterious Asterians and the Forge Fathers. I don't like them because dwarves is not my thing. But still, I want to hear more about them. You know, like this universe really uh, speaks to me and I just want to I just want to read more about it. But for me, that would be a perfect, you know, Rob's idea of having a private detective. I can just imagine it would be a perfect way of letting us sort of understand more about the GCPS and starting it there. Because I could just imagine, you know, a murder or something he has to investigate. And of course, he's the secretly the patsy. They're kind of setting him up to blame him for something. And, you know, the the, the amazing, cool stuff you could tell with that story. And of course, yeah. you know, I throw mean, in can... a plague outbreak or, you know, something like that as well but i think we'd learn a lot about the universe from this cool cool story that uh, i'm imagining yeah, in my head no absolutely you can uh, also imagine like you have a very local very focused uh, like a you know a noir type of uh, story like exactly. a very individual thing but with a background of like the intergalactic contract between That's different it, races. Exactly, exactly. And he's, yeah. he's, he's investig- uh, doing his investigation in one dark uh, corner somewhere, like within the block of a totally. futuristic city. But it actually reveals stuff about a very vast universe and tons of planets and tons of stuff and, and like exactly. a much bigger picture. A huge conspiracy and forces beyond our control and, yeah, events get out of control yeah totally agree i, I think there's a it's a very rich um 
again, it's full of tropes and so on, but tropes are cool for, exist for a reason, right? Like, um, I would definitely read something like that. So if I could yeah. write a book, I, I, I would do that, but I don't think I'm capable of it. I was going to anyway. say, writing a book sounds right up your alley there, Clem. So, but I can it's throw the away through, some, isn't it? It's the follow yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Throwing yeah. away some stupid ideas like writing five pages of uh, ideas and, and plots, maybe I can do transforming that into an actually 80,000 word novel is a completely I'm different. Just, a, just imagine, you know, Brandon coming back to you go, yeah, Clem, it's, it's really good, but. Uh, Wait, what's the protagonist's name again? You've spelt it four different ways. Which is it? Oh, Brandon, come on. Don't. <laughs> Your timeline you. doesn't match if you don't really. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Don't bother me well, with the thing, small stuff. The other thing you guys have been describing is Warpath, the role playing game. You know, you guys are down right. into, all the way down oh, into yeah. the, uh, you know, private detectives and this, that, and the other thing and the, the lore. So. You know. Yeah, I think for me it's the multi-scale part that uh, that's interesting. Like, um, you know, like what I like in the Warpath universe is I can relate to it. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like it's crazy robots that are from uh, twenty thousand years from today, and uh, oh, life is so awful that we destroy planets uh, no, every I'm day. It's on... with you, Clem. It's, it's like it's, there's a load of it's... normal people watching Dreadball, having a nice life. Most people have a pretty nice life, and then occasionally something terrible happens. I think we talked about this on the pod, right? Whereas exactly, you mentioned forty yes. k, I find it quite boring. Yeah, because it's just everything. Everything is as depressing as you could possibly imagine it. It's it's quite childish, and you can't. Where do all the the normal people live? There are none. They're all being eaten by an alien. You know, there's no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like to right, the max. It's turned to eleven. It's like, can it's you make nice... a six point five, please? It's like, uh, I think the I I love the lore in Antares as well, just to make a parallel. But f- in comparison, it's a lot more futuristic. At least I feel it's high science fiction at a time where right. some humans are evolving beyond what humans can do. Right. So it's and a so... fascinating time. But but it's it's there are normal people in that too. But but it's um, a different story, Mantic, though. It's different. It's different. It's much more Mantic is much more grounded. I think I've described it previously on the pod as it makes me think of like an ultraviolet like 1980s cartoon, which I mean that and right. it's a positive for me. That's a huge positive. It's like yes. hyper um, hyper realistic, you know, really over the top characters, larger than life characters. I think it's super super cool, um, and and yeah. you know a lot of kind of satire. You know, if you think of like Paul Van Hoven films, it was he Paul Van Hoven. Yeah. Sorry, dear listen, it's very late. You know, yeah. if you think of RoboCop or Total Recall or things like this, right? Very very violent and sat dripping with satire. But and I think there's um, there's really some potential here as well, right? Like that's kind of what we were saying also earlier. Uh, for please, Mantic, uh, lead the way, right? Like. Uh, I don't know. I kind of want to have some like various artists, you know, take over this universe and create content for it, like build on this narrative, tell cool stories, uh, maybe even write some books or, or some shorter stories. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I just want to throw more money at Mantic so that they can themselves fund some, uh, you know, lore and uh, concept art to flesh out the universe a bit further. And I think, yeah, it reinforces this identity and creating this uh, this solid lore really is a, is a good investment long-term. 
And um, yeah, having seen other universes, I really like this one. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't yeah. think it's crazy to suggest though we could all, we could all have a crack at just writing a short a short short story in the Warpath universe just just to do it you know literally you know it could be you know two pages or something but just something. yeah no that's a, that's an interesting um, that's an interesting idea I mean I'm I'm complaining that I want more novels and more stuff in the Warpath universe I haven't read all that is out there so maybe I could also start by doing my homework and uh, reading more like i've i've gone through some of the warpath uh, source book but i i haven't read it from start to finish like there's I a lot there master, though. yeah there's yeah i don't there, master man. this lore to begin with so maybe i should put my money where my mouth is and uh actually spend more time to you know engage with the existing uh lore there and then i maybe i can uh figure out where i want to add two, two more pages yeah Super. There you go. So I think, guys, uh, time time's ticking on. Sorry, Steve, I haven't said that yet. So I think should we move on to listener questions? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good time to get to that point. Yes, yeah, absolutely. So Jeremy Duval of Countercharge. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for listening. Speaking of the epic uh, Kickstarter, what factions are you guys excited for? I think the art for the Asterian Super Heavy is so cool. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've discussed it at length. We're excited for pretty much all the factions, right? I'm very excited for the Forge Fathers. I'm very excited for the Asterians. I think the Asterian Super Heavy is kind of giant mech thing. Am I right? Yeah, I think it's... Yeah. Uh, Who doesn't love a giant mech thing? Yeah, it's kind of the best one so far. Uh, although the renders for the Plague actually won me over. Uh, like the art was a bit... Mm, I, w- I want to see what they make with it, but the renders are pretty cool. Yeah, so Plague, GCPS... Um, probably Marauders, but at that point it'll be, just be I'll get one core box of all of the other factions, uh, just to just to have a look and to have the option to tell stories uh, with them. But uh, I guess it doesn't really matter on the scale. I'm I'm still stuck with the same things that I love. So GCPS and Plague definitely. Um, I was very excited for Nightstalkers because I really loved the idea of having. Once prove with all of the core Night Stalker stuff in 10 mil, and then uh, reinforcements or so STLs also for 10 mils. That would have mean meant uh, my one of my next uh, 10 mil Kings of War army would have been Night Stalkers with official models. So that part I'm a bit disappointed about. Maybe they'll come later, but we'll see. Um, if nameless, if it does fund enough. Um, and I know we're running out of time, but if it, if nameless come, I could really imagine us Clem like doing a, like a, a a very watery board with kind of like islands on, and the nameless rebelling against the GCPS for changing the deal for the hundredth time, you know. And uh, I think that would be super super cool. What about you, Mark? Well, I mean all of them. So I was going to challenge you guys: which one is your favorite of all of them? So, uh, boy, I'm having a hard time with that, and. Um, just because of play style, I'm kind of leaning towards the plague. But so far, I don't know why Veerman is calling to me. I like their vehicles with the with the drills and all that type of stuff. So that that I'm going to stay for right now. But it's not definite. But that that seems to be it. So there's something in all of them I really like though. Yeah, yes, when really I scroll down it. and I go, oh yeah, because yeah. oh, oh that's cool. That's just has cool stuff. <laughs> it's just really cool stuff. Cool play yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see renders for the unlocked factions. I think one other thing I want to see in um, Epic Warpath also, although that would be probably way down the line, is um, more stuff that is unique to it in the sense that I want larger tanks or larger spaceships and so not just one super heavy big monster uh, unique piece you would have on the table but I ideally I would want to fight a battle where I have a bunch of infantry like some monster size infantry like you know the striders this type of stuff and then five or ten mules or uh, regular tanks or something and then three or five medium-sized tanks like a actually pretty big flyer or pretty big tank or whatever or like a double the size of a corruption uh you know but still not not yet super heavy uh, level i'd also uh, like clem i think that's a great point i'd also like a, a few civilian vehicles to you know to to right. narrative gaming etc um, but but oh, who knows? Yes. You know, maybe in a year. I think this will be with us in about a year. Maybe something comes on the vault, which is you know a new super heavy for one of the factions or something like that. And and I'm I'm super excited, obviously for Brockers. I'm contractually, as Clem always says, about ten millimeter. I'm contractually obligated to mention. I love, of course, I love my Brockers. But the Asterians, you know, things like the Matsudan look super super cool. But do you know what? One of the things that actually had me go wow that looks cool was just you know it was just the little zombies for the plague i just saw the little zombie go oh that looks so cool yeah definitely wants too many of them that's the uh, same thing but you know I'm, I'm not that much from a style perspective an Assyrian person or a forge father person and when i saw the art and like the, whatever they already have for them made me think no yeah, i i could get behind them like they've They've done a really good job so far, and I'm really curious to see them like in the fl- in the plastic flesh. That's so, super yeah. interesting, Clem, because I don't think I mean you don't talk about it, but I don't think at all you've had really in Five Fight had any particular interest in doing Asterians or Forge Fathers in Fire in 28 mil, right? Not really. I think it's part of it is because you need to pick your battles, you know, and I'm happy that you are doing them, so I see less of a point of me doing them, um, but. I think 10 mil is slightly different as well because, well, obviously now it's a lot cheaper with the Kickstarter, but also later on, uh, even at full retail price, like the the core box will still be very reasonably priced and uh, doesn't take that much space. Like it's not like, hey, I need to have a like a relatively large box or a full shelf to store like a full Assyrian army. And so my experience with 10 mil is. If I want to knock out an army, it won't take me too much money, too much time, uh, too much energy. And uh, it's almost like what people do with, uh, you know, skirmish level games or what Mark does with uh, really smaller formats of, hey, I want a palate cleanser and I, I just want to do 500 points of this faction and then move on to another one. I feel like 10 mil is really works really well for that. And so in that context, I could see myself, you know, spend you know, a couple of weekends and do a full Asterian force. And that's it. It would definitely work. And it's, it doesn't sound as crazy as doing it in 28 mil, uh, if, that, if you see what I mean. Yeah, great point, Clem. Super. I think, um, yeah, so Jeremy, I know Jeremy's excited. And um, I, I really, really hope he's got some more 
sweet sweet warpath content for counter charge because i always love the episodes they do and um I, i'll be honest it's a a real treat for me when they i think they did a forge father army review and a styrian army review and i really hope they keep making that content and uh firefight's a brilliant game it needs it it just needs a bit of help from the community doesn't it um super should we move on to the next question so from Sabertooth creations thanks for messaging with the walking dead relaunch day last weekend can we have an episode on the game past uh, release play experience and upcoming info etc it's it sorry it needs to get more coverage before relaunch such a great game uh yes it is a great game um and we have some ideas to do something along these lines and uh yeah we'll get something together i think it'll be a much short um but uh walking dead is a fantastic game another fantastic mantic game and i'm really glad it's coming back and um, one of the best things about it is just the tables you can make. You can make it's you can play on a two by two, but you can make such cool, such cool. Uh, you know, let's say, for example, I take the kids to a game shop and I'm, you know, I'm having a look at the little cars and, and trucks and things go. Hmm, maybe that would look good in Walking Dead. And so, uh, yeah, you could just do really, really cool things with the tables. Um, I think so you can really set the scene. It's it's kind of what I have in mind also for Warpath, like Epic Warpath, as we mentioned. Like It's not just you throw three buildings and two forests and a hill on the table to kind of make it a playable environment. You can really create set a scene and create an environment, and then it's immediately a lot more immersive, and that's cool. Yeah, and actually, I funnily enough, I went through my terrain recently, and I'm reorganising things. It's this huge project, but it's like um, one of the first comics. Uh, comics they go to a gun shop, and um, I think, oh, I've got this MDF gun shop. Oh, perfect! Oh, there we go. <laughs> That's going to come in very handy. So, as you say, claim it's very, very specific things, and with 3D printing and things like that, it's just incredible what you can do if you set your mind to it. It's just really exciting, and yeah. So you've almost got this side hobby within the hobby of just making these beautiful tables. Um, super. So, uh, yeah, watch, watch this space. Real quick, Chris, got to give a, a shout out to Sabretooth Creations. He's, uh, or they are working on their first Kings of War army. So ambush and going after Clem's heart, it is goblins. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, welcome. welcome to the community. Yeah, and uh, I think it also made me happy because... Isn't that the person who said, oh, the, the fast mob sounds cool, but it's a bit late. And we said, oh, no, no, you can join anytime. Like, please jump in right now. Now is the best time to jump in. Like, anytime is, it's still on. Like, uh, we, we launched it in December or whenever that was. Don't feel like you missed it. Like, it's it's always fast mob, right? Like, uh, start anytime. And today is, is the best time for, to do it. And Clem, you're doing goblins. You've barely started, right? So... <laughs> more than barely started compared to you yes uh i'm waiting for you to finish the army before i can actually go into it you know we yes. have this uh, <laughs> we have this special stick to, to be a tag team system going right on. exactly exactly you need Clem's to be bored to... with the army and move on to something else for me to uh, jump into it clem has got to procrastinate until i'm finished and then he dives in that's it absolutely yeah, Mark's done six different 500 points armies, you know, also even 600 points. Super. So Erasmus Berger. Hey, Erasmus asked a couple of questions. The first one we'll just touch on very quickly. Why isn't Warpath in God's own scale, six millimeter? Um, I'm very much not au fait with the, you know, I'm very much not up to speed with what the 
benefits or negatives of six mil versus 12 mil versus 10 mil versus eight mil if that's a thing so um i don't know all i can say is i think the what mantic have done looks fantastic in whatever scale it is in so i'm happy unless you guys have got anything to see. yeah i mean there's the official version right like they've said several times they didn't say hey let's make a 10 mil game or let's make a 12 mil game or whatever They've taken Enforcers, uh, like STLs uh, of sci-fi stuff uh, from their IP and printed them in different sizes, put them all on the table, thought about how what they were actually after, like creative-wise, um, what type of games they wanted to make and so on. And then they said, that one is the one that looks the best. And then they measured and said, oh, that's about uh, 12 mil uh, to the eyes for the enforcer captain or whatever model that was and that's it and that's the size and even today like the size of vehicles is not fixed like on the kickstarter comments there were people saying oh the vehicles are too small blah 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 yeah well, it's still a work in progress we are figuring it out what we can fit in the sprue and so on and so forth so that part is not like um, a commercial decision and so on i think lots of people might be after six mil because if i'm not mistaken that's the original uh epic like a 40k epic uh, which i scale. had actually as a kid i had that i've i've never touched any of that uh, back in the day so i don't have you know fond memories or or anything like that with this game um i think having smaller infantry so like six mil because i i did buy some six mil miniatures uh, to basically do a travel version space hulk if you want the whole story so uh, even smaller than six mil um unless you do different stuff but i i am happy they didn't go for that small infantry because i do want to see the models that i have in firefight also in smaller scale like the actual zombies i do want to actually see zombies um and bursters and leapers and uh, aberration and all of this stuff and i don't want to have them like be just a um um grain of rice or something you know like a, a small blob yeah yeah, a small blob with uh, three dots of color on them and like oh trust me that's a zombie uh and so i think i will enjoy a lot more uh, having the firefight models or like the warpath models um in a slightly larger scale so like 10 mil 12 mil whatever for your human than uh, having them much smaller um yeah i don't need to have the mules be uh like five millimeters long for it to work on the table actually slightly bigger would be better and dear listener if you want to hear more about this fascinating topic check out the map short that clem and mark made with the game designer that is true we we had an episode on this and then for a completely different topic right next question from the semi rasmus burger so mm. yeah there were a fair number of Ophidia references and lore hints in the Twilight King lore. That is correct. How strongly does that point to Ophidia as the mystery release for this year? Well, um, they, just sorry, Clem, just before you get into it, they, they were talking about Ophidians quite a lot in the Sands of a Moon box as well when there was the free story, you know, when they obviously uh, the, the um, Empire of Dust. So they've been hinting at it for a little while. And sorry, I'll just put myself back on mute. No, that that's absolutely true. Um, I would say that's a decent candidate. My so I have two kind of uh, hesitations about it. One is I am not so sure anymore that Mantic will do a third 
Kings of War Army release in 24. Like from what I've seen of the the Canada now, I I would be happily surprised if they pull it off. But I'm not certain it's really uh, coming. We'll see. I guess November is in quite a while from now, right? And then, yeah, what would they even do with Ophelia, right? Like it's. Uh... That's a that's a great question, buddy. I mean, if we remember, Clem, we did it. Do you remember we did a, a panel law section on Ophelia at least a year ago now, and they were raising the undead but in an ethical way do you remember you used to you signed your grand your grandpa signed up before he passed over and you can yeah we won't get him to do anything embarrassing we won't make him wear a silly hat you know so that that part i understand what i'm saying is but how does that play style be significantly different from empire of dust or look different exactly so when you have empire of dust how do you make ophidia something else entirely you know um or because right now Fidians you can play it with um what's his name like good Jarvis. Uh, Jarvis. Jarvis right mm-hmm. so r- the way it is right now is basically uh, everything undead I, definitely they wouldn't do that if they uh, brought Ophidians back right I hope like they wouldn't just take this as a occasion to update the undead range and just call them now it's Ophidians and not undead like they would probably look different but to me, although I agree with the, the hints from the lore and so on, and Matt has been known to put all of the uh, all of the evidence in plain sight uh, spread out in all of the various pieces that are released, I I don't see how to do Ophidia. Maybe it's a good sign. It means I will be pleasantly surprised, and it will definitely be a surprise uh, with whatever they, they, they come up with if they do Ophidia. What do you think, Mark? Well, I... <sighs> I know Matt was working on an army list for them. And I know that the hints we got when we were a clash said it was an existing army. So that's why Aphidia is off my radar. So it's supposed to be in a, a current army that doesn't have any plastics. So well, Aphidia is not a current army. So that eliminates it from competition. So in my According mind, to some least. definitions, you could argue that Ophidians already exist in the lore. Maybe what they meant when they said it's an existing army like they're not coming up with the gloom blooms that come from the deep forest or whatever. That's right. something we've never heard about. Ophidians well, are solidly anchored in Panithor. So yeah, I mean, I guess you could call Jarvis their army with the good undead and all, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, to me, I just ruled them out. I'd be happy to be wrong. I'm just going to say as well, I really hope that Mantic avoid doing stuff. I think there must be a real temptation to do stuff because it's quick, cheap, and easy. And I hope they don't do that. I, you know, I love the fact, you know, the last couple of armies, they've really thought about it, mantified it and brought something to the table that's really fresh and interesting. And I think if you just take some EOD models and some undead models, they already have put out a couple of, you know, a new Jarvis model. Boom. There you go. There's your Ophidians. I feel like that's a wasted opportunity because I, I think it can, it could, I'm not entirely sure what it could be, but I think there's something interesting, potentially very interesting there, but it would take work. Yeah. And I'd, I'd, I'd much rather if, it, if they're not going to do it properly, sorry, quite, quite properly, yeah. I would rather they just wait until they're ready to, to do it. Do you know what I mean? Otherwise I feel like it's a missed opportunity. You know what it made me think about? One thing they could have done is, but that's also self-serving, put the forces of the abyss and put it as, as the end of year release 
with a major redesign. So putting out as many plastic as they did with the Twilight Kin and really push the Force of the Abyss as a this is really Mantix, Force of the Abyss, Demons, blah, 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 all this stuff, and really expand on this. And then as the second faction with only two sprues, do Ophidians kind of as you described, because maybe it's not that bad after all, right? If they are so close to Empire of Dust after all, maybe they could reuse some of the, the kits from Empire of Dust uh, with some additions, like different units. Um, and you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, Clem. I mean, it's not just to me. It's not just reusing. I have no problem with them, them reusing the Revan, the hard plastic EOD kits. They're nice kits. They look nice. No problem. But to me, there should be a significant difference in play style between the two. There should be meaningful differences. Um, and yeah, I just I, I want it clearly differentiated between the two in law, in story, in playstyle, in everything, that Aphidia is its own thing. It's inter- it's got interesting reasons to play it all in itself. It's not just undead with the word good slapped on it. Yeah, no, that part is interesting. I think um so they could make it uh how is there called like a theme list uh for EOD instead of undeads, for example. Which, from the lore, I think it should be. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It should or, be, right? or, or kind of, again, reuse some of that plastic, and but then come up with some more unique combinations like of rules like they've done for the, the more recent stuff, right? Like the, um, the Northern Alliance that uh, rely on frozen stuff, for example, like the Tundra Fighter or whatever it's called, these type of mechanics, and just have a different one when you are uh, from the Ophidian side. I don't know, but I I completely agree with you, buddy. Like I, I'd rather they take their time and um, uh, make something uh, really interesting rather than try to rush it out of the door. And I, I would love a, a new two-player starter, which is Aphidians versus Empire of Dust, because they are natural enemies. They are geographically close to each other. That would be super, super cool. From Mantic's point of view, you could probably get away with putting a load of sprues in there, and the player can pick which one they want to build them as. Right. And if they can figure out, you know, whether okay, so every if you're an Aphidian player, right, you've got your you've got your tough undead stuff, but every every you know every every turn your units they all all the zombies or all the um skeletons get together and put it to a vote do are we still happy being skeletons you have to roll the dice bad guys no we want to <laughs> no we want to go back to the grave and then the unit's gone that's it <laughs> we voted we unionized we voted we don't want to be zombies anymore okay right back to the grave with you so i mean obviously yeah. i'm i'm joking right but but yeah. there's got to be some meaningful um, difference and, and you know some advantages some disadvantages over EOD because because um, actually if, if there was a box set like that that I just invented myself I'd be totally down for getting that starter box I think that would be super cool I think there's some interest really interesting stories we could tell with it um, but only with some meaningful differences so we don't know if they are coming, but if they are coming, we're ready for them. Oh, I'm so, I'm so that's your answer, right? I'm, exactly, exactly. I'm so, I'm so ready for this thing that I've imagined now. Super. And, uh, I guess it kind of answers or hints at the the next and last question from our friend Mod. 
uh, it's been pretty quiet on the KOW front. What are you guys looking forward to trying to release? Yeah, so I think we've talked about it earlier in the pod, right? Like Mantic is probably very busy with other stuff right this second. And so our attention is probably uh, more onto that uh, in the short term. Uh, Trident release, I am eager to see what they do with it, like actually see the plastic in the flesh. Um, I will not be making an army for them, at least not right now. Maybe I'll, I'll grab a ambush um, starter box or uh, the next two-player starter sets uh, with them in it. Uh, as I've done so far, and uh, yeah, what about you guys? Well, I'm looking forward to the Trident Realm and the Abyss. I would imagine that that would be our next two-player set, and um, yeah, uh, it has been quiet, and you know, if we weren't so into Epic, I guess we would be wondering the same thing, so if uh, small-scale sci-fi is not exciting you, yes you're kind of in a boring zone and then you know everything that's going to be coming out with halo pretty soon so it's going to be a while before april rolls around so hopefully you know manta can keep us a little interested uh you know kow wise so but you know our turn is coming you know it go it ebbs and flows and you know I mean, sometimes it's all kings of war all the time and everybody else is bored so yeah, and if you look at the vaults, there's still uh, plenty of stuff to be excited about in the vault every month for uh, Kings of War. Like if you're a Salamander player lately, you're you oh, I'm loving happy, it. Right, my rhinosaurs are out and the tyrants. So vault, vault, vault. I'm loving it. Not not that I can even print any of them right now, but yes, I'm very excited that they're out. Absolutely thrilled and. You are absolutely right, Clem. The, the vault keeps. Uh, people say the vault is too Kings of War oriented. So, I mean, for the most, and, and just, just I know we're pushed for time, guys. But f- if you think about it, for the most part, Kings of War is obviously it's what pays pays the bills for Mantic. Generally speaking, they're pretty well served in terms of releases and schedules, etc. And it's it's unusual that Mantic sci-fi gets as much love as it's had in the last year or so, right? Which is all for the good, as far as I'm concerned. Command Protocols, etc., and obviously the new uh, Epic Scale game, Halo coming, as we know. So, um, but uh, I, I mean, I'm, I, I've talked about what I'm working on uh, Kings of Warwise um, and on the last month monthly, and um, I'll finish off, st- still loads to do with Twilight Kin, and I want to go back at armies I've done pretty quickly and just put some more love into them. You know, my Riffle Jorks, my Empire of Dust, etc. So um, I almost certainly, I, yes, I will be doing a Trident Realm Army. I love it, but probably not this year, probably next year or something along those lines. I'm not I'm not in a rush to start new projects at the moment because I've, I've got so much I just want to enjoy that I already bought, right? So, um, so yeah, so I'll be playing uh, the, the Sad Elves this year for sure and just enjoying what I have. And... Uh, there you go. Point. I'm only I'm only just sad Trident Realms isn't uh, bringing placoderms and hard plastic. So I hope they're coming in resin or something else with the release. So, but I just think we need placoderms in the I'm vault. In the vault. Get in the vault. But yeah, vault, no, vault, I mean, vault, vault. I'm sure Chris, you'll get one in bush box of the new Trident Realms just to check out the 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 nice sprues. Come on, you muted yourself, buddy. At minimum. At minimum. So. Yeah, I, I could easily see myself doing 500 points. I, I mean, I love, I really I just love the undersea weirdos, right? It's really my jam. So I could, yeah, 
could see doing it super guys before we wrap up the show any final thoughts let me check if i uh, finally have my gcps not that i've been doing uh, updates on the kickstarter page every hour for the past 10 days but i have and not quite but getting close so when we started we had what 1200 pounds each now it's only 900 pounds each something like oh, that right bargain yeah, we're getting close we're almost to 223,000 so yeah so maybe, very very close maybe when i wake up uh i'll have the good surprise of yay gcps yay! we only have so, four days left too so we got to get yeah. got to get going so hopefully that, they'll drop something very exciting at the end that'll get everybody to pump back up again so right fantastic okay. and thanks thanks to steve for joining us for as long as he could as always pleasure to have him on uh, Clem, Mark, thank you so much, guys. Mark, do you want to take us out, buddy? There you go. Well, hey, everyone. Just always remember, so much universe, so little time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, dear listener.